This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that has most definitely not reached its limit yet. Uh, when we do, I will tell you. Anyway, having missed a big opportunity last weekend when snatching a draw from the jaws of defeat against Wolves, Chelsea had another must-win game against Everton this weekend. This was effectively their game in hand, and a win would have put them in fifth and level on points with Arsenal, and just one behind Spurs with eight matches left. Having battered Everton in the first half, Chelsea should have been three or four up, but they went in at half-time nil-nil. Then what? Well, if we hadn't seen it all before this season, it would have been inexplicable. Everton took control, and Chelsea had no pace and dynamism, and no answer as Everton scored two goals. Sadly... It appears that Maurizio Sarri also has no answer for the Jekyll and Hyde performance uh, beyond trotting out his usual it's a problem with their mentality issue. And this makes it even more bewildering. Yes, the players were poor in the second half and have blown another opportunity, but in many respects the match was a microcosm of Chelsea's performances under Sarri. Once Everton scored, you just knew it was done and dusted and there was no way back. It was like Groundhog Day, like banging your head against a wall. Sarri thinks the team has reached its limit, but given how much the majority of the squad has, has won uh, you know, in terms of trophies, like every one of them basically, can this really be true? Is he simply unable to motivate them and manage them to get the best out of them? Isn't that what a football manager is supposed to do? And why, notwithstanding the mitigating factors much discussed, does he seem unable to take responsibility for the current situation, where it looks like Chelsea will struggle to make the top four this season and have to rely on winning the Europa League to qualify for the Champions League next season? As ever at Chelsea, there are more questions than answers, some of which we hope to answer on the show tonight. So there you go, the Chelsea Fancast number 455. It's mental. Mental. It's mental. It certainly is at Chelsea. And the number of times I've said that Chelsea Football Club is a basket case, half-jokingly, 
Um, but uh, it's true, man. It's absolutely true. Anyway, there, there are people on the show who will understand this with passion and feeling, I know. Uh, and one of them, of course, is Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Great to be here, Chidge, with such excellent company, mm. as usual. As always. Um, it wasn't, wasn't that a song, More Questions Than Answers? Yeah, it was. There more questions That's than answers. Who was it? Who was it? Jo- I don't remember. Johnny Nash. No, no, it's somebody else. Um, he may have done it. Johnny Nash. Yeah, good point. Yeah, it may have been. I thought it was somebody... Um, um, uh, Andy Feber the Low or something, yeah. around about that period. I thought it was Amen, free... Amen Corner. Yeah. yeah, I thought it was somebody kind of more solely, more rhythm and blues. Well, I think you're right. I think it may have been. It may have been um, Thingy Nash. Yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. like John. Maybe maybe. Um, oh, what the hell is his name? Jimmy Cliff. It's a bit reggae-ish. Anyway, we we just, yeah. you know this this is how easy it uh, it is for us to get distracted. We were just having know. a discussion about Star Trek Discovery. Yeah. I know. I mean, if we if we were football players on the pitch yesterday. You know, some fan would have shouted something. We'd be off having a chat with him. I mean, you know, this is why this is why we don't play professional football. Anyway, great to have Jonathan on the show. Very quickly, JK, how was it last Friday on the Love Sports Show? I was surprised that both Clayton and Dan, uh, how can I put it, kept their powder dry with me. I kept thinking, surely they're going to, you know, get, just say he's a fag munching tramp and have a go at me. But um, you know, for, but uh, but no, they did. They yeah, didn't. Well, they but... sat there, and I think, come on, come on, say something. We had a discussion about pressing yeah. that, I, that I slightly raised my voice over, but um, but the show itself was. Um, um, I'm afraid that um, uh, Johnny um, and I had a bit of a row. <gasps> really? Um, Why? What yeah, happened? Because, uh, because he um, he he dissed JT off <gasps> air. No. And said, and what a completely appalling human being he was. Wow. And I said, and I said, I'm a little bit dis- disappointed that somebody as bright as you. Um, would be misled by reading the media about him. And he actually quoted at me, um, you know, weeing in a bar and um, shouting at Americans. I said, are you going to talk about standing in a, dis- a parking in a disability bay next? It was um, it was absolutely bizarre. Yeah. And we had a we had a spat. So the second yeah. half of the uh, of the show was um, slightly within with, with clenched teeth. Oh. I had a go at him. Yeah. I really had a go at him. I said, I'm really disappointed that somebody as uh, running a show as bright as you are would come up with such complete rubbish. I said, brilliant, so, brilliant, jo- Jonathan. That, that, I didn't know this. This is like breaking news. I'm sorry. I'm glad we're sharing this with the with the wider Chelsea fan cast listeners. I had no idea that any of this had happened. Right. I mean, mate, mate, you're you're lucky. I wasn't on. I'd have chinned him. Well, funnily <laughs> enough, it was it was. I don't think you would metaphorically. I think you'd have chinned it. I might have actually done it for real. Actually, I love JT. Nobody disagrees. Yeah, no, I mean, of course we do with all the stuff he does for. Yeah. Like we, and in fact, Tim Clayton said, "Well, I think he does an enormous amount for charity." And he just said, "Yeah, yeah." Uh, it was absolutely weird because he's a very bright boy, and the yeah. show is goes at a different angle. But suddenly, this this vitriol, this hatred was just absolutely bizarre. You know, compl- I said, you know, but just completely created by the media. So, um, wow. But anyway, anyway, yeah, good yeah. to know. No, brilliant stuff, man. That's great. No, I mean, I, I obviously listened to it live, but I was doing other things as well. So I didn't, you know, it's not quite the same. Uh, anyway, um, we do have another guest. I can't believe we just wandered off again, but that was actually, that, no, but that was, no, that was quality, that was, because I would never have known that. Um, anyway, we do have another guest, uh, and it's one of my favourite guests, actually. It's Liam Toomey, who, talking of Love Sport, is a regular uh, to, do, you know, doing the press report for us on Love Sport. Unless he tells me otherwise by shouting, I think Liam has had to go on a call. Now, Liam and I joked a minute ago that before coming on air, uh, I, I said to him, has Sarri been sacked yet? Because, of course, there was breaking news on Sky Sports News 
uh, saying that he'd been meeting with uh, uh, Marina, uh, having uh, she having met with Roman about his future. So uh, we were joking, and, and he said if, if he had to go, uh, if he did get sacked, then Liam would probably have to disappear. And, uh, you know, I said, blimey, and I'd have to bust the script because there's nothing like that in there. Anyway, Liam's already gone for a call, so I'm going to give him one opportunity to say if he's back yet. Liam, are you back? No, he's muted. Right, OK. Liam, Liam will let me know when he's back, and I'll introduce him then. Oh, he is oh, back. back. There now. we yeah. go. There we back. go. Uh, so has he been sacked yet, Liam? No. <laughs> <laughs> All that build-up, mate. All that build-up. I, I was just check. I was just checking. But... <laughs> Brilliant. Liam was checking his sources that we, as we know, hide in the uh, dustbins at uh, Cobham. Anyway, Liam, it's brilliant having you on the show. I was just bigging you up while you're on the phone, saying uh, that you're one of our favourite guests, and of course you're a regular on our press report in the uh, Love Sports Show. So lovely to have you on. Are you well? I'm very well. I'm very well. Although I spent far too much time on trains yesterday mm. yeah I, I, as always there's always seems to be issues with trains when we go to everton it's one of the bugbears are going up there all right we've been waffling on for such a long time i really i really want to get on with the show really but uh, and liam if you do have to go just do what you did then and let me know it's not a problem mate. I totally no understand. i'm fine now yeah. don't worry all right okay now on the show tonight uh, we discuss a game of two halves if ever there was one uh, chelsea firing blanks. I, I, I didn't get an intro then oh no tony did we forget you <laughs> oh no that's oh mate to say, epic fail say, oh, it's, it's tony not on the show epic yeah. epic no, fail you'll be like economy you wander off with tangents and then you bring it back in i know i'm so sorry mate no it, it's, have, I been, have i been benched no it's because you, you you chirped up already and then and then with my confusion with liam having to go and take a call and and, and talking to him uh i completely forgot and i do apologize i realize that it's yes. not a problem as a man no, of a certain age tony you should you should understand the disbenefits of senile dementia which is obviously Indeed. something i clearly suffer from right now i'll start that a bit again we've also got the wonderful tony glover who has who's obviously not been on the show for so long i've actually forgotten that he who he is or who he you know that he exists so tony yeah. it's lovely to have you on the show as it's always good. it's only been it's only been three weeks has it's it? not been that long but uh Christ. it is good to be it's always always a pleasure to to be on Mate, it, it, it feels like so much longer, which I think is more evidence of how busy I've been, that, that it seems like three years ago. But, mate, as yeah, always, yeah. i tell you the other thing, you know. You know what else it is? It's because, um, you know, I, 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 I seem to be stuck. I just haven't been in the pub or anything to see all of no. you lot. It's like I, I spoke to Dan Silver. Uh, well, I had a text message with him this week uh, before Friday's Love Sports show, and, and I can't remember the last time I saw him. Because the whole pub thing's been completely disrupted this year by Sunday matches and Thursday matches. So it, mm. that's why it feels like a long time. We will rectify this. It's about time we had a proper meet-up and a drink, I think. Anyway. Okay. Totally agree. Totally agree. Carry right. on, mate. Carry on. On the show tonight, take two, with apologies to Tony. Uh, right, we're going to discuss a game of two halves, if ever there was one. Chelsea firing blanks, again. Uh, Chelsea's poor defending, again. And Chelsea losing away. Again. Uh, and in part two, we ask, have the players reached their limit? Or has Sarri reached his limit? And what is it about mentality? Has Sarri run out of excuses? And why can't Chelsea bounce back from setbacks? And with Chelsea's terrible away form, is it more realistic to aim for winning the Europa League than finishing in the top four? Uh, in part three, we look back at last Thursday's Europa Cup tie against Dinamo Kiev, uh, which was an enjoyable evening. And uh, we look ahead to the quarterfinal draw against Slavia Prague and a route to the final via possibly Benfica or Frankfurt, which could see us play either Arsenal or Napoli in the final, uh, which 
would be interesting to say the least. Uh, and we'll also talk about the announcement that came out this week that the club have frozen season ticket prices, uh, but have increased ticket prices for members and general admission. So, you know, giving away with one hand and robbing you with the other. Now, in part four, uh, guess what we've got in part four? We've got four, um, absolutely. No, three, emails. four, maybe three or four. I'm not sure. Anyway, we've got loads of emails. There's some real crackers, as always, this week. And uh, Jonathan and I will be reading those out. And, of course, there'll be the usual parish notices. Now, don't forget, as many are already, uh, you can listen to the show live every Monday at 7 o'clock by going to Mixler, which is mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast, where, of course, you can join in the chat by posting on the live chat page. And, of course, you can tweet at Chelsea Fancast during the show to tell us what you think about the games and anything else on Chelsea. Anything you want, really. Just ask us a question. We just love hearing from you. Uh, I don't even mind when I get the odd one like we did the other day uh, who who tagged a reply to somebody saying, you know, doing the, the football blogging awards, I am voting for at Chelsea Fancast in the at FBAs or at the FBAs for best podcast. And, the, and this bloke underneath wrote, it's shit. <laughs> Blimey. Oh, well, you know, we're all entitled to an opinion. Uh, anyway, yep. uh, and I, I, re- I refrain from replying. It could have been, you see, it could have been satire for all I know. This is the great thing about Twitter. You just don't get nuances. Anyway, uh, I, I'm, apart from that, I'm inclined to agree with him. So, you know, <laughs> I should shut up, really, shouldn't I? Right, after a very short break, we'll be back. Right. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. What, what I can't share with the listeners, really, uh, because they can't see it. But uh, I, in, in the script, I've di- di- you know, discovered the joy of putting useful information in, which is very unlike me. Usually, usually I just put kind of made up bollocks and a, a mad biased opinion that oozes out of my brain and put that on paper. But this week I've actually and not only have I put uh, Chelsea's uh, and Everton's possession shots, uh, shots on target corners, foul stats, but I've done them in colour, haven't I, gentlemen? You have beautifully done. Now, mm. I will give a prize to the person who can tell me it's not exactly the same, but what th- those colours make up a flag of a certain nation. Oh, black and yellow. Ukraine. Very good, Liam. Very good. Very quick. Uh, and also St. Lucia. Oh. Yeah, oh, there I don't you go. Know that no, there you go. So I get two points, so I'm already oh. in the lead. But no, but how fitting in the sense that it, that we played uh, a Ukrainian team this week. Anyway, I, as always, I am digressing. I mean, look, let me just kind of run past a few of these because they are, you know, they're quite interesting in their own in their own right. Um, this is the Beeb, really. And this is quite shocking, I thought. Uh, only Fulham have a worse away from uh, a worse a record away from home than Chelsea in 2019. Uh, Fulham have lost. Uh, Fulham have lost six, and uh, we've lost four. Okay, so we've played five, won one, drawn none, and lost four. So our away record in 2019 is only worsened by Fulham. Uh, let that sink in. Um, Chelsea have suffered a Premier League defeat at Goodison Park without scoring a goal for the first time since September 2013, when we lost one 0 under Mourinho. 
And Chelsea's Hazard has now failed to score in each of his seven Premier League games at Goodison Park. And that's his most appearances at a single away venue without finding the net in the competition. Now, look, I totally get, whilst statistics don't prove anything, really, or you can make them prove whatever you want, I just thought that that was interesting. But the bottom line is, the match itself, um, which, of course, I had to kind of watch, you know, like half watch. I was broadcasting, doing the this new Love Sport fans forum show that I do uh, between three and seven on a Sunday. And it's bloody impossible trying to watch your team on the telly when you're trying to do a radio show. So I missed, I mean, there was actually one hilarious minute uh, when the penalty was scored. Sorry, racing ahead a bit here. Um, I knew it was a penalty, but I was kind of, you know, reading some of the script or doing what I do. And the boys who were with me were clearly watching the penalty. And the first thing I heard, uh, one of them just shouted out, saved! And then I looked round, thinking, great. And the next one, of course, only to see it going up the flaming rebound. It's awful. Anyway, I, I am as you, this is going to be a show that lasts five hours because we are waffling on, or I am. Bottom line was, it was definitely a game of two halves. And I thought, actually, in fairness, we did play really, really well uh, in the first half. But the thing is, Tony, is, is possession meaningless if you can't and don't score? Because, I mean, we had, what, what did we have, 67% possession and overall but I think we had something like 89% in the first half because Everton yeah. couldn't live with us yeah absolutely and, and your stats are very interesting overall 67% possession to us 33 to Everton shots for Everton 15 shots for Chelsea 16 shots on target for Everton 8 shots on target for Chelsea 5 yeah so yes um, in fact on a Twitter discussion today uh, Ken Barkway the lovely Ken Barkway and I came, came to the conclusion that when we're watching this stuff, as we did for a, de- a degree of time against Wolves, it's like watching a training game. It's like watching people pass, pass, pass for the sake of it with nothing at the end of it. Almost like that you would expect the training game to go. You know, oh, we missed. Oh, well, never mind. We'll have another go in a minute. Um, and it, it's nothing more than that. So when people were sitting there saying, wow, look at this lovely football Chelsea playing, I was sitting there thinking, but there's no end product. There's nothing there again. Um, you've got a man on the bench who scored three goals in midweek against a team that, OK, they, they might be a bit of a pub team. I know we cover that later on. Uh, and you're giving it to a player that I reckon I could beat over 100 metres in Higuain. Um It was just, you know, and, and you, you get that feeling that nil-nil, um, half-time, you're thinking, well, blimey, we're living on the edge a little bit here. And the minute they scored, the minute they scored... Uh, and I'm trying to watch the game and I'm, I'm trying to keep away from Twitter during the game, but it's almost impossible because not one person on my timeline thought we would get that game back. Not yeah. one. Not one. And, and I, th- I just think, you know, I know we're going to talk about deeper stuff later on. Um, but as a game yesterday, um, I didn't think it was particularly entertaining. I, I didn't think it was good to watch. Um, it confirmed everything that I saw against Wolves, that I saw against Leicester, that I saw against all the other teams that we played for, bar Huddersfield probably, that um, it, the, the joy of the game has been removed for me in this obsession, football dressage as I've called it, this obsession with Barcelona type football. I honestly don't know where this obsession for some people with that style of football has come from. We've played 15 years of powerhouse, shithouse, entertaining, grinding football and won trophies. And this is a million miles from that. There you go. Um, True to form, Tony. I kind of expected that and I have have no problem with that. Um, I mean, Jonathan, you know, we've we've done this to death with, uh, you know, why can't they score? They don't score. But I mean, 
you know, I, I get. I mean, it, they, I did think they played well, and I know they hit the woodwork and stuff, but it is a bit bonkers. But I tell you what, you know, where I actually think they lost the game, and this is perhaps more pertinent because, yeah, I know we could have been three or four nil up, but where they lost the game, I think, was was in the midfield in the second half because Everton just became far more in your face and and started really to dominate it. And I, and, and what that led me to think, which is something that we haven't really discussed a lot, is is Chelsea's midfield weak? I mean, they are a bit too easily bullied. Uh, I mean, I know Kante's a great nicker of a ball, but he's you know he's not like a Michael Essien, for example. And he wasn't at his best in the game. No, I don't think many the of them were, half. were they? Men, they weren't. Well, but but I I just like to to take issue with um, with with Tony. I think we're both like broken records, really. With, <laughs> with the, the, the the you put forward the dressage dressage view, and I always put forward the. Yeah, but we're great, but we can't score. And um... but that doesn't make you great, though, because I mean, look, can I just pick up on that on that point? Because I forgot to mention this, and this is, I think, relevant. Sarri saying that the the first half yesterday was the best performance of the season is insane. It would have been if we'd have put four goals in the net. Well, I think but we what didn't. He means is it what he means is it? It's it's the way he wants to play. Well, what, to not I, to not I, win and not score no, goals. No, no, I, but no, but I agree with you completely. I, I, I keep re- repeating myself about this. It, they they're not shooting. They're not. And I think actually, I think it was a mistake to play Barkley from the beginning because he 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 tr- over tried again, which is exactly what he did in the uh, in the home game. And I, I think they should have um, uh, he should have played someone else instead of him because he got into some decent positions and then did that bizarre shank across the goal, didn't he, poor old chap? Um, but no, I. I I know what he means in their they're, they're playing the disciplined way that he wants and they're they're creating chances um but they're not putting them away because they're not once again they're not shooting this was the same as the Wolves game I mean I expected somebody to come up and say oh Everton bossed it because they they organized were so brilliantly organized um uh, in this in the way that um, Shearer did on match of the day with the Wolves game and once again my view of it was that um we were we were superb, and we weren't passing the ball for the sake of it. We were actually creating. We, they couldn't get the ball. We were pressing. We were pressing all the time, getting the ball back all the time. We were doing doing exactly what is Sarri's plan. But Sarri's plan doesn't work if the ball doesn't go in the net. And Higuain was terrible, and uh, and I'm I'm bemused as to what has happened there because I thought he was going to be a uh, a star for us. Um, and uh, Hazard was strangely muted. And my fear also is that is Hazard, when he plays according to um, what Sarismo requires, which is slightly in this straight jacket, um, we don't see the best of him. And uh, and then, in, in a sense, that, that does then agree with Tony in that we're not playing uh, um, to our strengths in the slightest. We're not playing the kind of football that... that that causes us to win all the trophies. And that in the same way, yes, we are overrun in midfield because all they needed to do was step up. And yeah, Richardson, That's exactly what they did. Exactly what they did. Is a, is a nasty piece of work. Oh, yeah. Richarlison just kicked everything that moved and and, and got his way by... Yeah. by um, Bullied them. By bullying. And that yeah. was a bullying performance from them. And we melted. 
And to an extent, I know what he means then by saying the mentality. What he means is we're easily duffed up yeah. and well, we... almost against Fulham. So therefore, there is something going on, which I don't understand. Well, but I think let's not get into the mentality is, thing yet. It's straight jacketing them. But yeah. the first half to me was superb. I kept looking at some of the moves and thinking, God, that's it. God, they're going to score. Yeah. And nothing would happen. And Jonathan, go, actually, that's a really good point. Can you be, be a genius and remember this straight jacket? A straight jacketing issue for part two because I will forget and I think that's straight really jacketing. I'm writing yeah. it down now. I think straight it's important. Um, straight jacket on an envelope here. Yeah, straight Liam. Um, we we you know we've kind of teed, teed this up for you really, but I mean, uh, you know, I, I still can't believe that you can say that that it's a great performance if you don't win the game or put the ball in the net. And you you can't just judge things on twenty minutes here, thirty minutes there. But I mean, I know we've been a bit unlucky but it does make me conclude that the strikers aren't up to it and and we've got a lack of goals elsewhere but I think the the glaring issue is that I remember when we signed Higuain and as always we were prepared to give the bloke a chance he he has you know he's a world he was a world-class striker in his day of that there was no doubt we knew that his form was a bit ropey this season um, but we were prepared to give him a chance and there have been flashes but ultimately, you know, scoring two goals against Huddersfield and one goal against Fulham in 10 games is not really what, what was needed. And I think the, the bigger issue here is that, as I said, I remember us talking about this. He was most definitely Sarri's choice. Sarri wanted him in the summer. And, uh, and, and I think in a sense it was, it was, well, you know, Sarri's got his man. He could save Sarri's season. Well, I think what's happened is that Sarri's got some very Higuain-shaped egg on his face. Well, I think Sarri wanted the Higuain he had at Napoli two and a half years ago. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not sure Higuain is that player now. Yeah, you know, I you, agree. You, you look at the way he, he's he's played in those 10 games and the movement is nice. You know, he's still got the instincts. He knows the system. He gets himself into good positions. But he's so slow that it, even if he gets himself into good positions, especially with a lot of defenders in the Premier League are quite quick. They've got some good recovery pace. They, they can just get back to him. And you saw that in the first half. Jorginho plays him clean through in on goal with a first-time chip ball. You know, the, the kind of pass that some people will tell you Jorginho never plays, but he's actually played every probably, match recently. Yeah, probably at least once a yeah. game for every game in the last three months. Um, and Higuain goes clean through and, and, and takes too much time. His shot gets, all the sting gets taken out of his shot and Everton escape. And uh, I think that that's a huge, huge problem for Chelsea. I mean... Oh, obviously the the striker issue has been has been a recurring theme of the Abramovich era, barring a couple of notable exceptions. It's it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like the United goalkeeper position during the Ferguson era, yeah. where you've got a couple of greats that defined years years at a time, and then in between you've just got these this sort of recurring cast of walk on characters, and it feels like Higuain is in, it increasingly set to be consigned to to be one of those but I mean I, you know I, I take bits from what Tony and JK, JK said uh, I, I wouldn't class it as, as as sterile possession in the slightest I thought I tweeted at half time Chelsea have been excellent apart from scoring I think yeah. Sarri was um, a little bit hyperbolic afterwards I think he was trying to defend his style as much as anything but they weren't just pinning Everton back they created four or five very good chances that your front players, particularly front players of the quality of Hazard, Pedro, Higuain, have to take responsibility for scoring. And if you don't, you can lose any away game in the Premier League. And 
what what maybe you didn't hear watching on TV, if, you know, for fans who weren't at the game, was how frustrated Goodison Park was with Everton for that first half. It was it was on the verge of turning, and I, I you know I've not watched Everton a lot. Uh, apparently, it's been quite toxic there recently. But I think if Chelsea had scored even one goal, yeah. it would have really turned on on Everton, and the game could have taken a very different course. But they get in at half time. Then obviously you can level, you know, accusations at Sarri about that. Does he value motivation enough? Does he, you know, is he able to? Mo- <laughs> he claims he isn't able to motivate these players, and maybe there's growing evidence for that because second half performances they they continually drop off. And yeah, like like you said, as soon as as soon as the first bit of adversity came, uh, there was never really a sense that they were going to get back into it, and they just. Alonso makes a silly mistake. I think Keppel was culpable for both both goals as well, and and, and the game is gone. And you know that you, you look at the final stats that you highlighted. I was one was only one of those Everton shots in the first half. Yeah, I mean Wasn't they, it the exactly, Calvert Lewin yeah. header. Yeah, they had one Everything shot. Everything was in the second half. Exactly that, and and most of ours were in the first half. I think I think it's an interesting point actually, and it's something I, I'm sure we we've talked about on the show uh, before. But I, I get the impression. Uh, I don't, you know, I, I, I had to try and defend uh, Chelsea and the players to the two Herberts I do the fans forum show with at Love Sport because they were, you know, t- you know, they were basically going down the same old tried and t- trusted line of Chelsea's players. It's all about player power. They chuck it in. They get rid of managers. Yada yada yada. I, I'll tell you what. I, I generally don't believe that of this this squad. Because I don't think anybody's got the balls to do it out of them, actually. I actually think that they, they, they like him, they want to play for him, they want to do well for him, but I just don't think they believe it. I just don't think they have any belief in what they're trying to do. And I think the, the point about, you know, when they go a goal down, their heads drop because they just think, well, I, we don't believe we can get back in this because we don't think this football's going to work. I mean, Liam, is that a, a valid point? Well, I think some 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 in that dressing room believe more than others. You ha- you still have your Sarri loyalists. You know, I'm looking at Jorginho and and Louise, and and obviously Higuain has just come in. Um, there are certain players who are really really on board. Others less so. But I do believe that every single week you're seeing in the application that they are trying. You know, yeah. and that and that it, this isn't a Mourinho situation where it. They go out week after week and it looks broken for months on end. There's a reason why they've lost the game, then come back with a win. You know, they always respond generally after after a defeat. But the problem is that I think transcends Sarri. You know, we one thing that strikes me is how similar the course of this season is to last season. Because Conte's second season fell away between January and March. They, they were second at the turn of the year, were absolutely awful bit for, for for three months actually finished the season quite well but it was too late to to rescue top four and I think you're seeing the same kind of mental flakiness in this group of and lack of resilience in this group well, of players that Conte found yeah I, I agree to a de- to a degree but I, I've got to be honestly I mean this is the argument I had with the, the chaps uh, yesterday I, I you know I think a lot of what happened uh, post January last season was was down to Conte you know, he had that screaming row with the board about not getting the players he wanted. So he'd salt from the summer, uh, and then you know you also had that was that that was when the uh, the Costa thing came to a head as well, which pissed a few of the players off. 
So I, I think actually, you know, Conte has a lot to answer for with that as well. Although I think broadly speaking, there's there's some truth to that. Jonathan, I mean, the, the, you know, we, we, Liam picked up, I think, on a couple of points that, that I agree with there, that uh, the defending's poor again. I mean, I, I agree. I was absolutely spitting feathers at Kepper, but it wasn't just him at fault for the first. I think there was some woeful marking and non-existent challenging by uh, Louise, amongst others. Um, but I, the, the key, you know, I think there are two two issues here. One is, well, three, actually, but I'll do the first one first. <laughs> I'm convinced that, that zonal marking, and I mean, I get, I get pilloried for this too by people who, who think they know about football, but I, I've got to say, I don't, I'm not a fan of zonal marking. I've very rarely seen it work in the Premier League. And I mean, I know the counter-argument is, well, if players played zonal marking well, there wouldn't be a problem. But maybe that's the answer. Maybe our defence just doesn't do zonal marking very well because it's clearly an issue. The number of goals we concede at set pieces, for example. Um, once again, I wonder whether it's 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 the approach to... Um, because they've scored, there seems to be a kind of sloppiness. I'm sorry, I'm getting back to mentality, practically. Um, uh, there was a kind of dreadful inevitability that they would just put the ball in and one of them would get to it, wasn't there? Um, there was an aggression about them in the first five minutes that had been missing and we just sank into it. I, I don't know whether it, it, the, the zonal marking we seem to do nearly always leaves somebody spare, yeah. So, uh, which I don't get. It, they can't be doing it properly, can they, if there's always a spare person? But... Um, but I, I, I always think that the teams that don't score, don't let the opponent score at corners are, are the most aggressive, are the most competitive when the ball comes over so that they're at least preventing the centre forward, whoever's going for the ball, the centre half, from even, you know, even if they're getting near the ball, they're, they're, uh, they're, they're putting them off course just by competing. The referee can't give a penalty if you're seen to be going for the ball. And going for a header, um, you know, it's the the penalties are where you half-heartedly do it and knock somebody over. Yeah. If you're actually competing, <clears throat> then which we're clearly not, because well, that, that's the point, Jonathan. Absolutely regular. You, you've nailed that. You've absolutely nailed it. Because, uh, you know, if you look at it in, in Syria, ah, you know, they 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 don't play this way. They're not. They don't give a shit about corners and great big hairy ass centre backs, you know, thumping the ball in with their head. That's not what they're about. Here it is. I mean, set pieces, corners in particular, are a fundamental part of the English game. And you're right. It's all about what uh, AVB would call, uh, and Mourinho, maybe just it's just all Portuguese people, aggressivity. <laughs> you know? Or if you're, yeah. if you're English, aggressiveness. But, um, and the trouble with zonal marking is, is that you're not touch tight to a player if you're marking him you know, man for man. And actually, it's that half a yard that they make you know, to go for the ball that's the, that's the key. But- Hedging it in in a corner, and if they're if they're standing off them, by the time they've reacted, the ball the guy's headed the ball in the net. But are they zonally marking them? Because so many of them yeah. are grappling them to the ground. I, I, well, I, somebody correct me if if I'm wrong, but it bloody well looks like it to me. I mean, I, I think, think it, I think it is talking about Italy. Also, is that they've got a slightly different approach to it. Um, the uh, you know Chiellini and Bonucci. Um, well, uh, almost assault you when they go when they're going for a corner. That's well, the aspect no, there's, yeah, as well. There's nothing like an Italian nipple tweak. Doing is there? That. Even Rudiger doesn't do that, and Louise certainly doesn't. Yeah. Louise, when his dander's up, does it. But uh, um, the others, I don't see as Pellegrini doing. I definitely don't see Alonso doing it. Yeah. Um, how, many, how many tall players are in that Chelsea team? Rudiger, Louise, as Alonso, Alonso, Higuain. Higuain's not particularly tall, I Isn't don't he? think. I, don't, I think he's probably about six foot, not maybe not much more than that. I mean, it, I, it struck That's me. A good point. 
it, even before Everton scored, it struck me from the press box looking down on the pitch that just Chelsea are a very small team. Mm. They've got a very small technical, technically minded midfielder midfield, and regardless of who Sarri picks, unless it's Loftus Cheek, and you know, and and Sarri has talked about this in in press conferences. Now, whether he's wise to talk about it publicly, as he spoke mentioned so often about the mentality, is is another thing, but. He's said numerous times that he doesn't think Chelsea are a physical team. And, you know, to guys like, to, to Chelsea fans like Tony, who have been used to the 15 years of sort of power Chelsea football yes. with that really strong spine of the team, I think it's more than just you don't recognise Sarri's football. I think you don't recognise this team. You know, Chelsea have morphed into a group of players that don't really represent what the club what the club has been over the last 15 years. And I'm not sure, even if they sacked Sarri, I'm not sure they could go back to what served them well, even under Conte, because Conte's football worked well when they had Costa, but as soon as they lost Costa, well, yeah. they became very passive. Well, I was going to, I was going to say, Liam, actually, because I, I did wonder, you know, has the back four actually become a weakness? But of course, you know, we know, we all know that Conte thought it was a weakness, which is why he changed it to a back three. Anyway, I've got the solution for our marking at corners, Right. Because we've got a small team, you're right. And, of course, you know, most teams have got six, you know, very much plus six-foot uh, defenders and, and, and strikers to, to take advantage of corners. So what we do is we put Pedro and Kante on their two biggest threats, their two biggest men. Because they've got... they've got Now, hear me out on this. Because they've got they no... they each other's back. No, hear me out. They've got no chance of, uh, of of winning the ball in the air. But what they will be able to do, they'll be at the perfect height to bite them in the bollocks. Yeah. You see? And that's how we do it. That's that's what my tactics would be. You know, this is... I'm, I'm wasted. I should be in football management. But anyway, Liam, I mean, just, just going back to what, what we were saying. You know, I, I'm right there, aren't I, really? I mean, Conte figured this out, which is why I played a back three. So maybe we just can't play in a back four. We know the fullbacks aren't good enough to play Sarri ball. You know, they're not fast enough and they can't cross. So it seems a bit silly having a back four when we did better under a back three. Plus the fact Louise gets less exposed. Well, and Alonso isn't a fullback. He's a well, exactly. Back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's all, I mean, it's not one problem, is it? There, there, no. there, are, there are a lot of problems, know, big, and, big and small. And I don't think, this is why I think, um, this is why I think sort of congesting the, the conversation down to just Sarri I yeah. think is a little bit of a red herring I because yeah. the problem the problems we're seeing obviously it's in a different guise because the system has changed they're trying to play differently but a lot of the problems we're seeing as Sarri has referenced Conte also referenced last season yeah. the the fact that they will just that Chelsea will have a setback in a game and then pretty much completely lose their heads or composure for about 15 20 minutes and just be incredibly vulnerable um is not a new thing and it, it, it's kind of it, there have been some sort of Arsenal-esque features cre- creeping into this Chelsea team, like late Wenger era Arsenal, and that's kind of what it feels like right now, regardless of who the coach is. Well, there you go, Tony uh, Glover. Of course, amongst us tonight is the inventor of the mu- much used and certainly much nicked term, the Arsenalification of oh, Chelsea. So yes, there you yeah, go, mate. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's right, isn't he, Tone? Uh, I think he is. I'm, I've uh, I've made no secret of the fact that I think Sarri is, is not the right fit for everything that's gone before and the conversion to this as I call it football dressage is not something that I as a fan think is, is particular. We, we've been sold a pup there we've been marketed into this by 
the papers by the pundits you know and by the fifa playstation generation who think that that's what football is about i i i agree the back four is a weakness i don't want to veer away from the game i would just say that everything conti said has been proved he he wanted support he wanted players to take that squad forward he wasn't given them he threw his toys out of the pram. I agree with that. wasn't particularly great, but he was right. And we're seeing it now. And, and, and anybody who's kidding themselves, I mean, the one thing that drives me absolutely bananas, Chich, is when people say Sarri hasn't got the players. Well, what are we supposed to do? Go and buy Napoli just so that we can get a team that might finish in the top four? It's a ludicrous way of doing it. These players haven't gone off the boil that badly. They won the league two years ago. And, and Conte may well have exhausted them out and maybe the introduction of new players that he wanted, you know, to strengthen and, and promote competition would have been exactly what was needed as a catalyst to stop these players slipping into this uh, malaise of, of second half doziness or whatever you want to call it. It could be that. It's not one problem, but I believe he is the core of it. And that's yeah. all there is to it. And, and yeah, the back four is a weakness but Alonso two seasons ago even last season was scoring goals and we were saying how lucky we were that someone had spotted him even though he was, who was he, we getting from Fiorentina was it or yeah. something yeah. I can't remember but um, and you know I, I honestly the players will always 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 come out and say we fully support the manager they've always done that They've never yeah. said, fuck him, he's useless, we're down in tools. Yeah, but I know, um, I never believe what they say in the no, press. I, I, I believe I, I, what I see with my own yeah, eyes. And, I, and I, They're not in open rebellion. They're not, but if you can't motivate the players, then that's almost as bad as open rebellion. Well, it, yeah, OK, I, I, I take that point. Job. And, you know, we're going to get into that later on, but there is one quote from him yesterday that had me absolutely nearly kicking my windows out with rage. So we'll get onto that. Point we'll get on. onto that. All right, mate. Well, yeah. well teased, Tony. Um, listen, I mean, there's a few things I just want to wrap this part up on, but I mean, you know, uh, and I think actually you've segued into that really well. And I think I think I, I, I agree with you all to a degree, which is not me getting splinters up my ass. But it, this is not all Sarri's fault. I think he's compounded a lot of problems that have been there for a considerable while. Um, but you know, I remember us, you know, throwing our toys out of the pram. Uh, you know, post kind of Spurs really in November because we were just infuriated by his stubbornness and his, his ideology and his unwillingness to change. But to be fair, he's he's has shown that he is prepared to change. I mean, the whole kind of going to 4-2-3-1, the fact that he brought on uh, um, uh, Loftus-Cheek and uh, Hudson-Odoi like he did against Wolves shows me that, you know, that's uh, that, that is a sign of encouragement. But there are also selections which were baffling which is, you know, I can understand why he, you know, rested some players against Dinamo Kiev so he could play them today. But if that's the case, and I, I, I know I'm going to sound a bit like trying to have my cake and eat it too here on this argument, but forgive me. But, you know, why did Alonso start? He played all of the Kiev game and he was pretty poor, let's be honest. Um, he was very good against in the, in the Kiev game, though. That yeah, was he the, was, but they're a pub team. They're never tonight. I know, I know, I know, I know. Um, Perhaps you know, he so, he was back to his best or something. Yeah, but you know, he he, and I mean, you know, he he gave the ball away for fun, and of course, he you know, he gave away a very stupid and soft penalty. And also, um, strikers are a slightly different breed. And if you've just come off the back of a really good, perfect hat trick, okay, admittedly against a pub team, your confidence strikers thrive on confidence. And and Higuain, as we know, which is why he took him off, was already suffering from illness. So why didn't he start, 
Giroud. It, it, you know, th- these are the things that baffle me about Sarri, Liam. Am, am I am I wrong to be baffled or, or, or what? Well, I think it's been, you know, a, a broader cause of frustration. I think that the idea that, and I've been told this by people who are familiar with Sarri and and have worked with him, that he does become fixated on certain players. That he gets in his head the idea of his strongest possible 11 and it's very difficult to shake him from that view once he once he forms it particularly because his style of football is is geared around sort of automatic passing combinations and the more players play together the idea is that those combinations get better it hasn't played out that way this season but that's that's the theory of the way it's supposed to work um, and so tra- so changing the team around too much affects that um but i think on the alonso point he is. Sari said this publicly a few months ago when when I asked him about Emerson um, that he 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 generally favours Alonso because of his height, and I know that's a really sort of reductive reason to make that kind of footballing choice. But you know, I think it goes back to what we were discussing just a few minutes ago. Chelsea are a, a pretty small team, not a particularly physical team, and so I think the idea. Sarri, Sarri's logic was to play Alonso to help at set pieces to be to bring a little bit more physicality. Uh, obviously, it didn't work because Alonso played terribly um, in the second half. In the second half. In the second half. In the first half, he he was quite good. He got he got yeah. forward a little bit. A couple of smart cutbacks set up one good chance for Pedro. Um, but it's yeah. I mean the Higuain. Giroud won. I think he's just got at the moment a Premier League and Europa League rotation, and and he's sticking to that. And he's trying to give, he's trying to give Higuain the minutes he thinks he needs to get up to speed, and to to get, you know, fully sharp. But the problem is, Sarri himself said this about a month, month and a half ago that when Higuain first arrived, he said, if we we need him to start scoring goals within about a month, otherwise it'll be too late. Well. It hasn't happened, and it's been yeah. much longer than a month. Exactly, and it's it's now exactly. looking like it's it's a bit too late. Yeah, you're dead right, mate. Listen, um, one on a positive note. I mean, I thought that uh, Loftus Cheek, you know, it's good to see them come on. Although I'm worried about the fact that he's clearly, you know, not 100 percent fit as he's pulled out of the uh, the England squad for the games in the next week or two. Uh, but and again, uh, Hudson Odoi came on, uh, made an impact, uh, had a cracking show. Of course, is- has taken his place in the England side. Oh, has he? he? Has he really, Jonathan? Yes, I have no yeah, idea. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, Who knew? Anybody yeah. would have thought you'd be reading the script, mate, which is fantastic. Yeah. No, I, funny enough, I hadn't read that bit actually. I'd, um, uh, do you know I, what? I'm not yeah. surprised. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I, I like it to come to me as I look at it. I know, I mate. Said, I mentioned Liam then. You're all me. you're all spontaneity, mate. It's why we <laughs> That's love you. Exactly what I'm after, Chidge. Constant exactly. spontaneity. Exactly. But yeah. I tell you what, though, you're, you're right. I think it's absolutely fantastic news that he's got a call up um of course you know uh this is the beauty of having gareth southgate as the england manager because and steve holland to a degree because they know the quality of these youth players and also he's not scared to put them in which i think is laudable of him as the england manager because i think that's the way forward at international level um but i think uh, it's an interesting point isn't it you know what what kind of message does it send out to hudson adoy and in particular to sarri who's gone on record repeatedly saying he's not ready yet you know He's clearly ready for the England team. Mind you, they're not as good, I suppose. But anyway, whatever. Do you think it's a good message to send out or not, Jonathan? Um, I don't think it's going to affect anything. I think he's on his way. So um, 
uh, I think the lure of, uh, of, uh, of a, the signing on fee is too much for him, I'm afraid. Mm. I'm sorry, I have a no, a no, no. You, you, yeah, but you, you've, been, you've been consistent about that. And I think yeah. there, is an, there is an element of truth in that. And I think a lot of us, me included, are blinded by our desire to see a very talented young player uh, breakthrough at Chelsea, Tony. Well, I think, think otherwise he'd signed it or something, wouldn't he? Sorry, Tony. Sorry, Tony. No, quite, I, 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 I agree with JK. I think oh, we had we had our chance. You know, if Bayern Munich come knocking on your door and you're an 18, coming on 19-year-old English talented boy, why wouldn't you go? Why wouldn't you go to one of the greatest sides in Europe, mm. um, especially if they're giving I, you I, I can think of a reason. No, well, I can. Yeah. Th- I, no, I can think of a really good reason. It's because yeah. you don't like sauerkraut and horrible food. <laughs> but, I've got to say, German food is yeah, the worst yeah. food in Europe. It's, it's horrible. You're probably making so much money, Chidge, you can have English food flown over. Well, no, I would do that if I was Callum. In fact, I'll phone him up and say, "Mate, I know some really good chefs. Buy a chef, take yeah. them with you." Because I tell you what, when when we went to Munchen, the last thing I was doing all day was munching because the food was. I had a I had a Frühstück. When I got off the plane and, and went into ah. town and tried to meet up with somebody, exactly. breakfast, cooked English breakfast, my ass, it was horrible. The only thing I ate all day, right, was a giant, and I tell you, it was giant. It was the size of Jason Cundy's head, but it was a pretzel, you know, a freshly yeah. baked pretzel. And I had that in the, you know, the Alfgesteiner ah. beer keller. It's the only thing I ate all day. But then look at their beer. Yeah, well, that's all right. Beer, you know, the beer's I mean, fine. You know, it's y- right. yin and yang, mate. It is, it is, Swing, it is. Swings and roundabouts. Um, listen, I, I just think, I agree with JK. I think um, yeah, there's a lot of people are saying how much he loves the club, and I'm saying, well, did he did he write that on his transfer request then? You know, <laughs> did he, he sign the did, contract? Has he, yeah. Of course he signed the contract, has he? So. Exactly. And he, did, he, did he pin his transfer request to his shirt that he loves so much? Of course he didn't. Yeah. Um, it's a business for them, and I, he, he yeah, I, I hope I'm wrong. But I, th- I fear that, you know, our actions and, and the way we've been and the way he's um, uh, not not been given perhaps as much chance as, as he could have, have, have soured the milk. And and mm. ultimately, people keep giving me, what was it? I mean, Sarri did come out with some utter rubbish about it. He only played, you know, I played Callum four days ago or whatever. And that's why he's 18. He'll be ready to play in 40 minutes. Yeah, that's Don't a good give point. me that rubbish. Yeah, it's a that's good point. That's crap. Liam. So, Sorry, go on, Tony. Sorry, yeah, I didn't realise you didn't finish. I'm done. I'm done. Right. I just okay. think he, 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 who would blame him for going? Who would blame no, well, well, yeah, I, I get your point. I mean, Liam, um, going, going back to my original question, you know, do you think it's, does this send out a message to Sarri or what? Well, it'd be interesting to, it's a shame we don't have a press conference with him for another yeah. two weeks because it would be nice to ask him if he thinks England are putting too much pressure on Callum. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, give, what you will, leaves. yeah, but you'll have a chance to ask him afterwards when maybe Callum Hudson-Odoi a plays and b impresses. Well, yeah, yeah, that that's um, that that's be the even ideal more fun. scenario. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it, it's a very it's a very interesting situation. I mean, Southgate has always has taken a very proactive approach, far more so than any previous England coach. I mean, Dominic Solanke hasn't has an England cap, even though he's barely made a Premier League career yet. You know, he's, he, he hasn't played many more minutes than Hudson-Odoi in the Premier League. But, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's laudable. It's, uh, every time Hudson-Odoi has played, he's, he's scored, you know, or he's, or he's assisted or he's, he's made some sort of an impact. And um, that's, that's the key reason why he deserves more of a chance, not because, you know, he's the he's the Neymar of Chelsea Twitter, not because he's being 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 hyped up by cert, by certain people. It's because he's actually 
you know, meriting it with what he does when he's given a chance on the pitch. And Sarri and and Zola, when he's been asked about it, um, are making a very negative public argument to try and keep him. You know, that it's all, oh, you've got to be patient. You've got, you, you know, you've, you've got to realise that no one plays at your age at top clubs. You know, you, you'll get your chance. It, wait, you might not even play at Bayern Munich, you know, and I don't think you win no. a, I don't think you win a debate with a purely negative argument. And that's why I, I've, I've always thought, you know, from the moment the January window closed that Chelsea were really on the clock with Hudson-Odoi as regards to Bayern Munich. And I, I haven't seen anything that's happened in the last few months that would have changed his mind. I would be very surprised if he's changed his mind. And that and that is where the real pressure comes to play Hudson Adoy. You know, Sarri can can look at us as the media, he can look at um he can look at Gareth Southgate, he can look at fans and say, Oh, you're all putting too much pressure on him. No, the pressure to play Hudson Adoy is coming from Brian Munich because they will take him. Yeah. I think it's a really good point, Liam, I have to say. And I think you're dead right. I mean, if I'm eighteen year old eighteen years old and I think I've got a lot of talent and I know a lot of people think I have and I get some, you know, 60-year-old, you know, Italian manager telling me that I have to be patient. I'm, the first thing I'm going to say is, why? Other people want me, so why should I be patient? But also he only has to be as patient as his options. Hang on, whoa, whoa, whoa. Liam first, then Jonathan. Sorry, I was okay. just going to say, he only has to be as patient as his options. And his exactly. options are pretty good. Exactly that. Jonathan? I was just going to say that Sancho and Mbappe are 18, and they're, yeah. well, they're playing in, uh, considered world-class. They're yeah. playing all the time. You know, what's the, why, why does he have to be treated any differently? Yeah, or, exactly or treated that. any differently from the way Ferguson treated Wayne Rooney, who was yeah. 18. Yeah. Michael Owen. There are so Michael many Owen. examples. Yeah, exactly. you know. All right, people. We, that's a, we've done that part to death. Good work. Good work. Can I just uh, add, Chich, one thing? Just a no, no, of course, you, of course you can't. It's over now. Okay, it. so, no, no, I'm only, I'm only pulling you late. Honestly, I am pulling you late. No, no, you see, this is the, this is the <laughs> downside. This is the downside of, of not doing this face-to-face because Jonathan can't tell when I'm being ironic. But anyway, I am only joking, honestly, mate. Like, Carry on. Like, like Twitter. Mm. Um, uh, <laughs> I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> Jonathan, you genius. All right. Well, if it comes back to you in part two, let me know. All right? No, it won't. By the way, okay. by the way, Chich, um, uh, there are more questions than answers was sung by Johnny Nash in 1972. You were right. Well done. Off, well off, done. If it was off his album, I can see clearly now. I just thought I'd throw that in there, mate. Well done. Yes, okay. it was a reggae track. Well done. Terrific. Okay. All right. Good knowledge, Tony. Right. In part two, uh, we ask, have the players reached their limit or has Sarri reached his and what is it about mentality we've been touching on a few of these already but uh, has he run out of excuses and why can't Chelsea bounce back from setbacks and with Chelsea's terrible away form this year is it more realistic to aim for winning the Europa League than finishing in the top four we'll be back in a second the only place for Chelsea fans footballfancast.com Real fans, real opinions I'm Jason Cundy and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast Total Nutters and Proper Chelsea Right, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and uh, you are listening to the Chelsea Fancast. Now, as, a, as you know, I will always plug out the website, so have a look. Lots of good stuff there. ChelseaFancast.com is the place to go. And actually, if you go on the uh, the homepage at the moment, you or as uh, as uh, Mike Lawrenson would say at the moment, 
uh, you will find underneath the, uh, you know, the little windows which highlight our articles in the middle of the site, basically, is an orange button that says nominate us for best podcast or nominate us for the football blogging awards. And you can click on that and that automatically makes you vote for us as the best podcast in the football blogging awards, which is very apposite because this is about what I'm going to tell you about now. Uh, the nomination voting finishes on the 24th of March, uh, which is this Friday. So you've only got a few days left and it finishes at 7pm just before we go on air, actually, for Love Sport. Uh, and you can vote Chelsea Fancast for best, best podcast. Of course, we won it in 2012 and 2015. Uh, apparently, Chelsea won uh, some trophies too that year, but they were less important than us winning the best podcast, obviously. Um, we've also been finalist every year apart from last year, which is why I need you to go and bloody vote, because we didn't get to the final last year, and I think it's a disgrace, as Drogba might have said. Now, you can vote in a number of ways. Uh, you can vote on Twitter by tweeting, I am voting for at Chelsea Fancast in at the FBAS for best podcast. Uh, if you go to the Chelsea Fancast Twitter feed, we have a pinned tweet, which has a link, which will... Just if you press hit that link, it will do it for you. It'll come up with those words without you having to type them in. Then you just press uh, tweet and it will do it. You can vote on Instagram uh, by going to the Football Blogging Awards Instagram page. Just click on the best podcast image you will find there and then tag at Chelsea Fancast in the comments. Uh, we've now got an Instagram account, Chelsea Fancast. So do give us a follow. We'll follow back. Uh, and uh, you can also vote through the ChelseaFanCast.com website. As I said, there's a, a button on the homepage in the middle of the homepage, which is orange, and you just click on that and it will do it automatically. And uh, there's a, a blog, a few blogs about the awards, and uh, I kind of put it up for uh, the latest blogs that I put up. You'll find it there. And by the way, if you're into Twitter, and I mean, I, I admit freely that I'm absolutely rubbish at following people on Twitter. But um, this week, I will be putting a load of tweets out to remind you to vote for us and, and how to do it. And anybody on Twitter, uh, you know, on Twitter who, who is not followed by at Chelsea Fancast uh, and votes for us, I will make sure we follow you. So I don't, I don't know if that's an incentive. People under the age of 30 tell me it is. I can't possibly see how it is. But if that's what floats your boat, I will go on a mass following this week if you vote for us and we don't follow you already. So there you go. Um, it's all on the... Uh, FBA's website too which is footballbloggingawards.co.uk and in fact it's worth visiting that because there are lots of other of our mates who are up for getting nominated and that would include our very own Dean Mears for best new best new creator Alex Churchill as best club content creator and of course our mates on the other side of the pond London is blue for best international creator so as Mark Dr Mart if anybody's still listening to the show that remembers Dr Mart he would always say at this juncture, vote early and vote often. And that's good advice. Right, plug over. Now, lots of meaty issues to get into here. <clears throat> um, I, I won't read the Sari comments out. I think we'll, we'll bring them in, um, you know, as and, as and when. They were, they were really just there for your edification. But I, I've, I've done some homework. I've really been on it today. I have so done some homework. Um, and I was really um, struck by uh, the just bewildering comment that that Sarri made I mean an, an admission of defeat if if ever um if ever I've seen seen one it really is and of course weirdly in all the quotes that oh here we go uh, he said when asked about about you know if he was worried about uh Chelsea's mental situation not being solved Sarri said at the moment this is our limit 
if we are able to play like the first half with consistency, then we are in another position in the table. But basically, he was saying that we are a, 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 a you know a sixth, the sixth best team, and of course the, the table doesn't lie. But we can't. What he's saying is these players are not capable of doing any better than six. And I'm sorry, that's absolute rubbish. So I thought, hang on a minute. If he's questioning the players' mental mentality and, and their, their uh, winning mentality, I think is what he's talking about, their ability to go and win titles, to push on, to be better than six in the table. Let's just figure this out. So I went into, there's a brilliant website. I don't know if any of you have uh, uh, come across this, but it's a German website, I think, originally. And it's, it's basically, if you put in transfer market into Google, you'll come up with something like transfermerkt.de. It is the best source of any information about Chelsea, or any club, really. But if you want to know who a player's agent is, it'll tell you. If you want to know what their market value is, it'll tell you. But, of course, the other thing it will tell you is what honours they've won in the game. So I went through the squad yesterday, all right? So subs and the first team to find out what they've won, all right? So uh, Aretha Balega, he's not won anything. I mean, he won a, a, a Spanish under-19 European Championship, but I've tried to keep it to... Uh, what they've won of of note comparable to England, so like titles, cups, that kind of thing. All right, so he's not won anything, uh, and not international trophies, basically. Uh, Aspilicueta, this is nearly this is all with Chelsea, by the way. Two Premier League titles, one FA Cup, <coughs> uh, one League Cup, one Europa Cup. Rudiger, one FA Cup. Louise, one Champions League, one Premier League, two FA Cups. Alonso, one Premier League, one FA Cup. Kante, one World Cup little small insignificant uh, trophy um two premier leagues one fa cup Jorginho, well obviously he's only been here this year so you know he hasn't won anything for chelsea yet uh, but he's won an italian cup so he's won something barclays won an fa cup with chelsea pedro this is incredible one world cup one european championship uh, as in the international one three champions leagues one premier league one fa cup five la liga titles and three spanish cups my god higuain uh, three La Liga titles, one Spanish Cup, three Serie A titles and three Italian Cups. Hazard, two Premier Leagues, one FA Cup, one League Cup, one Europa Cup. Loftus-Cheek, two Premier League titles. How about that? Caballero, uh, one FA Cup, one League Cup, one Copa Libertadores, which is like the South American version of the European Cup. Kovacic, three Champions Leagues, one La Liga title. He's also won loads in Croatia. Giroud, one World Cup, another World Cup winner. Brilliant. Three World Cup winners in the squad. How about that? Who knew? Four FA Cups, one League Earn. Hudson-Odoi. Even Hudson-Odoi has managed to get an FA Cup medal. William, two Premier League titles, one FA Cup, one League Cup. And Christensen, one F- one, P- uh, one Premier League title, one FA Cup and one League Cup. Uh, Maurizio Sarri. Nothing. Uh, so, basically, um, this is a team full of winners. These players have won stuff. They know Hooray. how to win stuff. You know, they are winners. There's nothing wrong with their flaming mentality when it comes to winning stuff, but they need to be managed right. And this is my point. I think, you know, if you... Chidge, there is chidge, chidge. What? Straight jacket, straight jacket. Yeah, okay, I'm, yeah. I'm remembering it. But let me finish this point first. Surely, surely to God, and I've been a manager... You know, and, and, you know, it's harsh, but sometimes it happens. You get fired if you can't get the best out of your the people under your charge. Now, OK, they might be feckless, they might be stupid, they might be insubordinate, but it's your job to manage them around. It's your job to motivate them. It's your job to, you know, get their mentality right. But I'm telling you now, the raw materials are there. These, every, I mean, I, I tell you what, you could, you could put that, trophy hall and that that team 
up against any team in the Premier League, and I bet yep. you anything you like, it'll be better than all of them. There is Agreed. nothing wrong with the winning mentality at this club. Agreed. You know? So, so uh, you know, Tony, you're, you're loving all that. I, I, I'm, I'm going to go I'll to you first, what, obviously. I've given you three cheers there for that because I am absolutely sick to the back teeth of it's the players. The players are no good. Um, the players two seasons ago won the league at a trot. Now, yeah, we didn't have any European football, but they almost did the double as well. Let's not forget that, OK? Um, we we were, you know, Nats uh, bollocks away from, from winning the double. And then we won the FA Cup last year. So that, I just do not bind that. The fact is, the person who where the buck stops is the is the manager, the coach, calling what you like. It's his job to motivate, to choose the tactics, to brief them on the other teams. And I don't see any of that. I don't see us being briefed. I don't see us. I've not seen one interview with Harry said who says we knew he was a danger man, so we closed him down. Eddie Howe, after Bournemouth beat us, basically said. We thought we'd let them fuck about with a ball for 45 minutes and then we'd strike, which is what happened yesterday, right? Um, and honestly, it's down, it, you know, that's, the, that's why I'm calling it the core problem. A good manager, a man who knows how to manage other men uh, in any business is, is absolutely priceless and he hasn't got it. And I just think that is the core of the problem. It's not the players. I just think we, it, it's square pegs round holes it's a complete mentality. He has constantly gone out and said he can't motivate. And the bit I was going to blow my stack about was this thing yesterday. He said, but, you know, I don't know why we do this in the second half. It's your job to know this. You're trolling out the same excuses week in, week out. OK, we were hearing this before Christmas. We were heard this after Leicester. We heard it after Manchester City, after Bournemouth, after Wolves. We keep on hearing this. And at the moment... I keep looking at him and thinking, why is he getting what AVB didn't? Because it's bloody worse than when AVB was in charge. It's worse than when Scolari was in charge. It's certainly a damn sight worse than when Conti was in charge, who I think was right and should have been supported more, like Carlo Ancelotti. And it's his job. When you put that list up there, that is a phenomenal list. There's no other team in the league. I don't think that could put that list of winners up there. No good telling me they're all over 30 and they're all dead on their feet. Players these days go on longer. It's about a right mixture of youth and about uh, experience and all that sort of stuff. Um, that is just fantastic. So you get three cheers for me, because actually that really does highlight where I think the core of the problem is. And it's Maurizio Sarri. Over and okay. out. Not, okay, there we go. So, Tony, off on one. I do love it when Tony goes off on one. <laughs> J, JK, you know, what do you think of what I've done? And then you can talk about straight jackets. <laughs> can I borrow it? JK, can I vote my way, please, mate? <laughs> my point about the straight jacket was just agreeing with what you were saying, which is that they're all top banana players. Um, but if they're being forced to play a way that they can't deal with, then uh, in the straight jacket, then they're not going to be, they're, they're, they're going to be lesser players, aren't they? You know, if um, if Hazard is supposed to play specifically in one role, you're pro- and he's not supposed to take many touches, you're preventing him from being the player that he is. You know, and I may say the more that I see him hardly playing like he did in the second half, the more you think, you know, Real Madrid, here I come. He's, he's getting, he wants to get away from the madness. Um, uh, but, you know, that. Yeah, my 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 not even my dismay. My my suspicion is that um, uh, Marina will stay with him, and he'll they'll get rid of a lot of the players, and they'll try and play his way, 
um, with with those players who are more robotic um, uh, because everybody's getting into their 30s now. Um, uh, I mean, having said that, though, I think it's just as likely being Chelsea that they'll get rid of him on Thursday, you know, and then we'll who then what will we do? It'll be Franklin or something. But no, I, I think it's it's essentially um, uh, players not being allowed to express themselves the way they want to express themselves, which is a shame because they 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 zoned into Conte playing with three at the back. Um, uh, and they were only supposed to have two touches on the ball. If you remember, that was the big thing because we actually praised Louise for constantly just having two touches and getting rid of it, whereas before he was always dithering about a bit. Whereas this season, he's supposed to be taking two touches and passing it blind, and he's still taking five touches. In fact, they're all still taking too many touches to play the way that Sarri wants. And they're not... The big thing I'll go on about, they're not passing the ball quickly enough. That was the big Napoli thing. You watch... um, uh, Juventus the other day. It's a the double thing. It's aggression, commitment, and speed yeah, of but pass. Jonathan, I, it doesn't matter what it is or what no, Napoli no, did. Why can't it, Why can't he get them to do to it? Do it. I don't, That's his job. Indeed, indeed, I agree absolutely. I agree completely with you. I, it, it, it's now got it's now got ridiculous. It was in the in the middle of the season. We could see what was happening. You say, right? It'll be applied. It'll all be worked out. Higuain will come in. Everything, and it's not happened. Now, and I don't think it's it's lack of effort on their part. I just don't think they're able to to channel into the way that he wants them to play. And that's what I meant about the straight jacket. So they're they're not being allowed to express themselves properly. So it's just not working. For you. <laughs> well, for you, for you as well, for all of I know, you. I know, I know, I know. Um, I mean, Liam. I mean, I, I know I've gone in hard there, but I think I, I, I obviously, obviously, I agree with myself. I think I've made a, a very valid point there. Uh, I wouldn't say anything else, but um, I tell you what, I would say, and, and by all means, comment on uh, on what I what I said earlier on about their winning mentality and the trophies that they've won. But there's a young. I, I don't know. I hope I can pronounce this properly, and I apologise to him if I haven't. But Babatunde Jide Obatayo, who's been uh, posting vociferously on on Mixer, and I've that's what that was me bashing around the keyboard, Russ. Sorry about that. I'm a bit heavy-handed, um, but he he makes. I don't agree with most of what he says, but I do agree with this point. And 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 essentially, uh, he made it similarly to me. And and I and I echoed this on Love Sport yesterday. I kind of wondered actually about one aspect of the mentality of the players and their attitude. And in a weird sense, it's it's kind of a function of the fact that they are winners. But if they're not in with a sniff of winning the league, because they have won it a lot, when they're not in in with a sniff of winning the league, I do wonder if they chuck it in because they think, well, there's there's no point putting the effort in because we're not going to win it. But they they basically reserve their uh, energies and focus for things that they have a chance of winning in, and it wouldn't surprise me actually if if the if the uh, if if we can't. I mean, I know we're going to get on this later, so I don't want to go down this path too too much now. But if we can't get top four, that we do win the Europa League, because that's the mentality of these players. They like winning trophies, but if they don't think they can, they just kind of don't put the effort in. Is that a bit of a nuts uh, assessment? Because I actually think there's something in that, and Baba does too, by the way. Well, hasn't there always been an element of that in the Abramovich yeah. era? I yeah, mean, definitely. Chelsea have broadly been a cup team under Abramovich. Most of those 15 or so trophies have been cups and quite a lot of them are won under caretakers parachuted in halfway through when the league season was lost. And, you know, they Chelsea suddenly approached the cup competitions with new levels of intensity. I think it's always been a part of 
Chelsea's uh, Chelsea's culture under Abramovich. So it's not not necessarily specific to this group of players. Now, I, I understand. Yes, they've won they've won a lot individually um, and together. Um, and yes, in 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 one sense, they are certainly. You know, you have to you have to be mentally strong to do what they've done. There's no there's no denying they can be mentally strong. It's just that I think there's also a pretty you know extensive body of work at this point to suggest that there's also a mental flakiness about these players. They have one season off, one season on, and and occasionally they'll you know they'll have two or three months where they just pretty much lose their way. And I don't even think it's because I'm watching these games live. We're not seeing Chelsea chuck it in. We're not seeing these players down tools. Whatever you know, I've always been sort of skeptical of that phrase. I know it. I know it happens to degrees, but you know, in terms of like open revolt, we're not seeing that. We're just seeing. I think either they don't fully believe in what they're being asked to do as a group, and I think particularly with a style of football like Sarri's, it requires total belief. Like you look at Guardiola's teams. They're, they're fanatics. They're Guardiola fanatics. They 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 believe 110% in what they're being asked to do, and that and that gives them that edge, that commitment. Even when they get a setback in a game, they don't lose any confidence in what they're trying to do in in their idea. Where as soon as Chelsea, they start games well, and then as soon as something goes against them, the doubt creeps in, and then I think what J.K. refers to, they start taking a few too many touches. They start thinking about the next pass rather than just playing the next pass. It makes them easier to close down. They get pushed back. They look passive, and it all sort of crumbles from there. And so I think that that this is what I'm talking about with the the issues. I think that yeah, maybe uh, I totally take Tony Tony's point that maybe Sari certainly hasn't helped it, um, and maybe really hasn't helped it by talking about it publicly so often. But it doesn't deny it doesn't sort of erase the fact that this this has been a problem that that goes back further than him and I think even if they do get rid of Sarri in the summer or if they get rid of a lot of these players which I think is quite likely given the contract situations and their ages um, that's a cultural issue that's going to have to be addressed one way or the other. I think that's a really good point Liam and it kind of picks up on what I said earlier didn't it about uh, you know I, I don't see players that are chucking it in per se uh, and I mean the thing is at the Premier League level you only have to drop off by you know less than 5% and you're going to get beaten because that's how competitive this league is. But I, I do see I do see players who just don't have faith and belief in, in the system that they're trying to play. And, and I think actually, weirdly, Liam, this is, you know, the irony of that is it's probably because they do have a strong mentality. Um, it's a bit like, you know, in order to make this work, you kind of have to submit yourself to brainwashing these players know their game. They know how they play. They know what's worked for them. And a lot of them are quite old, which doesn't help either. It's hard to treat, teach an old dog new tricks. Just ask me, Tony and Jonathan. But, you know, <laughs> I can understand why uh, they don't. They just don't have that belief. And, of course, when that belief gets tested, that's when maybe they lose can, a bit of heart and a bit of trust. Hang, hang on one second, Tony. Just got to finish the point off because I'm going to answer the question now rather than having to ask it all later. This is why I think that when we go behind, they look deflated because they don't believe that they can get back in the game playing the way that they're being told to. Tony. Correct. That's, that was my point. I oh, go, shit. Sorry, I will mate. Go, I will go back to the Mourinho original years, to the Carlo Ancelotti years, to uh, even back to Conti's first year. 
that those teams all believed that going a goal down didn't really make that much difference. Did you ever worry in Mourinho's first tenure about going a goal down in a game? Never. Never. He'd sit there and go, you know, you've peaked too early there, pal. You know what I mean? And and, and Tony, I, I used to remember we used to moan about it being boring when we went yes. one nil up because we knew the game was over. Yeah. And I still, you know, the most entertaining parts of some of the most entertaining games have had us lifting a trophy at the end of it. Even when we were under siege in, in, in Munich and all sorts of things like that. And those teams had spirit. Maybe we had better leaders. Maybe we just got very fortunate with the fact that Mourinho had picked out people like Carvalho and Ferreira and people that we were probably, when they came into the club, thinking, who are these? Like, you know, um, but we've not seen that now for a while. I, I, you know, I'm, I've made no secret of the fact that, and Baba's made up the point. I, I liked Conte. I thought he deserved better, deserved longer. He was right. He what he pointed out was right. How he reacted may well have been wrong, but he was right. It needed investment. It needed um, competition. Uh, you know, we've got a track record. I think Liam mentioned this of winning leagues, and then the board saying, "Well, you won the league last year. What do you need more players for?" You know, it's been that kind of thing. It's an interesting point again that Liam says that we've sort of dropped off and we, you know when we've dropped off we've brought in interim managers and won cups and that sort of stuff you know trophies are trophies that's what you're in football for um, but I, I I you know I ultimately think that it the, the you know as people can decry the role of the manager but it's so critical in motivating those players in putting the belief into them um, and. Uh, you know, I think I tweeted today. I never warmed. To, don't let, let's get this straight. I never warmed to Carlo Ancelotti as a man. I would cycle to fucking Naples today and bring him back on my crossbar if I thought I could get him back in the club, running things instead of instead of Sarri. I just the miserable I, bastard though. Who? Conte. Miserable. No, I, well, no, everybody everybody hated it. Hated he, it he said he said Ancelotti, mate. You got Ancelotti, oh, mate. Said, it's, no, no, no. It's, it's my lack of understanding Italian. Yeah, I thought you said <laughs> Ancelotti. 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 I thought you said. I've sorry. A lot of people with that accent in the years. Yeah. I just, I look back and I was, you know, in Conti's first season, he wasn't hated. He wasn't miserable. He was adored. The press no, no, loved him. Second everybody. season. Second yeah, season. but second season. Second season. You're not supported. You're not supported. And I know we're going to have this debate, or whatever. But you know, I'm still looking at this, and I'm still saying, AVB, was he better than this? Was it any worse? Uh, you know, it wasn't. This is just dreadful. And, and empty seats in grounds and people leaving early, record numbers of tickets on the ticket exchange. OK, the fact that he's completely lost the away fans. That was told to me months ago. He's yeah. losing the home fans. This, you know, is, is someone somewhere saying this is don't worry. He's going to come good as a guru when as those that, that one thing that she just put on the script there. All of those trophies and next to Sarri's name, none. I just yeah. can't believe that you can put somebody in like that who's going to say... It, there's a fantastic scene in the in the Downs United where uh, Clough stands in front of the Leeds players and says, um, you can take all your medals, all your gongs, all your pots and pans, and you can chuck them in the bin over there because you've done it by cheating. Right? And 44 days later, he was out on his ass because he was never getting them players back. Now, I'm not saying Sarri's gone in and done anything remotely similar to that. But a lot of those serial winners are probably looking around in the dressing room thinking, what is, what's this bloke telling us? This? Why is he getting me to change this when I know what I'm good at? Yeah. I, they, they haven't got 
those trophies and into the positions and being bought by Chelsea by accident. We didn't buy them in car boot sales. And that well, I mean, that, you know, Clough's point, wasn't it, was that he said, throw your medals away because you didn't win them honourably. I want you to, to go and win, uh, you know, more medals playing the right way. And there is a, there is a kind... I mean, I know that Sarri's not been as aggressive and, con- and confrontational as that, but in a sense, that that's the message, isn't it? Like, I'm going to park this because, uh, we, you know, we, we, we've done yeah. a good a good session on it uh, and let's kind of look ahead a bit um you know notwithstanding the uh, and actually I can read this out cuz I found the uh, offending sky sports news tweet uh, it says sky sources uh, so Sky Sources, Chelsea FC, so Sky Sources, whatever that means, saucy, I expect. Anyway, Chelsea FC concerned and disappointed about the team's performance this this season. Uh, senior figures at Chelsea have held discussions about Maurizio Sarri's future. So that seems to indicate that they have not met Sarri yet. They're kind of talking about what they're going to do. Um, anyway, talking about what's going to happen with Chelsea. I mean, again, this is a, this is from Sid, good old Sid Celery. And actually, I, I printed this out I, or I sent this kind of after I sent you boys the script, didn't I? But it's 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 a fascinating read. It's basically, the, I mean, I know it's a bit Spursy, so forgive me, but it's like the Premier League table from the 1st of January to uh, the 17th of March, so Sunday. And uh, on a league table based upon the 10 or 11 games in that period, Chelsea would currently be 13th. So, you know, don't be under any illusion about how drastically our form has dropped off. And I think beating Spurs and the uh, the League Cup final uh, have perhaps clouded the judgment there. But, I mean, since the turn of the year, Chelsea were fourth. Uh, they were five points ahead of Arsenal and eight ahead of United. And since then, Chelsea have dropped eight points on Arsenal and nine on Man United. And, now, and then, as I said, they're 13th in the form table, having lost to, the, to three of the teams who were in a worse position. And those teams in the worst form position are uh, Leicester, Everton and Bournemouth, funnily enough. So um, it's not good reading, whatever way you look at it. And of course, you know, add to that our terrible away form, which I I alluded to earlier, um, that we've uh, only Fulham have lost more away games in 2019 than we have. And 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 I really and I think it really does put into question our ability to finish in the top four. Um, You know, not least because of the fact that we've got Liverpool away and United away and Leicester away. I think any away match for us at the moment is worrying. And you know, I, I look at the home matches and they're all bloody banana skins. You've got Cardiff, desperate to survive relegation. West Ham depends when if they turn up. And of course, they always turn up against us. Burnley, desperate to, to avoid say, relegation. Sorry, Go on, mate. sorry, Chidge. Cardiff is away. Is it? Yeah. I can't read. I can't read my own flaming right. Well, that's even more worrying, Liam. Thank you. Thank, <laughs> thank yeah, you for well depressing done, me. Cheers. Yeah, you know it was all going really well. Thanks, Liam. So there you go. And Cardiff. Uh, I was you know, about got... to chip in, by the way. What with? Exactly that point. Ah, thank you. Anyway, and we got Brighton at home, obviously. So, you know, Watford at home. Uh, you know, Watford may have given it up by then. May so by Leicester, although they've got Rodgers in charge now, so he'll have a point to prove. So none of these fixtures at the moment, for the way that Chelsea are at the moment, are I, I go into with the kind of confidence that I would normally go into at this stage of the season. Having said that, having said that, uh, we're currently in sixth, uh, uh, and we're we're only four points behind Spurs, who are in third. And uh, we're three points behind Arsenal and, as you know, one point behind Man United. So, in a sense, you know, all is not lost. All things are possible. But the reality is, Liam, are we better off uh, 
you know, kind of focusing on the Europa Cup, which is kind of knowing we can get a tune out of the players for that? Or or should we not give up on top four yet? Because let's face it, as I said, we're only four points, uh, you know, off third place. I don't think they can afford to give up on anything uh, yeah, at the moment. I agree. They've yeah. got they've got two avenues, um, and they've got to try and make the most of of both of them. I I don't think they will finish in the top four. Um, I think the damage has already been done. But just as it, like I said, just as it was last season between January and March, I think yeah. that that I think last season Chelsea won their last five or five of their last six Premier League games and still finished five points adrift um, of fourth place. I just feel like the competition has never been so fierce for Champions League qualification through the league. And you, you just cannot afford to have two bad months. You know, you, 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 you simply can't. I mean, it took an absolutely ridiculous run from United to even get themselves back in this conversation. And, you know, you, you've still seen in the last couple of weeks that maybe, you know, Solskjaer stumbled a little bit more. And I think United look quite fallible as well with the injuries they've got. So I think there are reasons to, to think that any of the four teams in the race um, will, will stumble and drop points. But it, it, it's difficult for me to have confidence that Chelsea will get there just because they've got, well, three, they've got three teams in front of them as well that, that all have to screw up to varying degrees for them to get in. That's the point I was going to jump in with there, Chidge. You've got we've got United away and Liverpool away. Yeah, I mean we 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 can't beat Everton away. We can beat Bournemouth away. I, I don't think we've got a, a hope in hell's chance of getting anything from those games. Arsenal haven't got anyone in the top six in their complete running. Not one. Yes. Um, uh, Spurs have got Liverpool away and City away. A potential to slip up there, but you'd think that maybe their blip might be on its way out. And you know, I mean, we've got you know, we've not got an easy run in, but we had two games in hand over this lot. We had two games in hand to put us third, and we've drawn one and lost one. <laughs> you know, so we knew what the target was. We sat there, we all knew, even as fans, we went, Oh my god, look at the position we're in now, and we've blown that. So I've no, I can't see a single reason to think that we can overcome two of those sides to get in there. I really can't. I'm inclined to agree with you, much as it pains me to say it, yes, Jonathan. It we, hurts. Sorry, well. go on, go on, Tony. No, it hurt me as well to say that, but I just yeah, don't I don't like it. Place. I mean, you know, I, I know you. I know you. You really are hot under the collar about Sarri, and and that is your right, and I respect that. I mean, I'm, I'm, as I said on a show the other week, I'm quite agnostic about him personally, and I'm really quite agnostic about Chelsea managers in general. Now, there's no point having an emotional attachment to a Chelsea manager. They are simply not here long enough. You know, it's like it's like falling in love with a with a one night stand or a, or a hooker. There's no point. You're not going to see him again. You know, so I, I don't I don't really care who they are or what they do. What I do care about passionately is how Chelsea does and how we are as a club. And I mean, you know, if Sarri doesn't get fired and turns it all around next year and we play the most sparkling, fantastic football that we've ever seen in the Premier League and we beat everybody for fun, particularly the people I don't like much. Mate, I, I'll be delighted. I'll be really happy, absolutely delighted, because I, all I want to see is Chelsea, you know, be as successful as they can and win stuff, because it gives me great joy and satisfaction when they do. But I, I'm about to bring you in, Jonathan. I was going to say, I was just going to say, you know, I don't fear feel that that's going to happen this season, and I do think we might not finish in the top six, J.K. Richard, what if they won the Europa League? What would you feel? Well, that'd be great. I mean, it would be great. I mean, in a sense, it would. Weirdly, it would give me. 
uh, more joy if Sarri won the well, not Sarri because he's not kicking the ball, but if the if the club won the Europa Cup this year, I would be absolutely delighted. And it would give me far more pleasure winning it this year than it did when, for example, Benitez won it. It just seems I, so peculiar to me that we we clearly have a, a Champions League type of squad because we just take all these lesser European teams to the cleaners, but we then can't apply it to the Premier League, which makes me think the Premier League, I mean, as is being proved by where they all are in the Champions League at the moment, is streets ahead of all these other leagues. And uh, the chances are that I fear that, as I've said before, we'll end up playing Arsenal in the final. And I can't, I'm not convinced that um, we'll beat them. Nor uh, am I. So, uh, uh, that may be the one stumble, but I, I on, on what we've been given so far, I, I honestly can't see us not getting to the final with playing almost playing the second team. So, uh, um, and I wonder whether the, after the game on Thursday, you should just have put all of that lot in against Everton. They probably would have taken them to the cleaners because they would yeah. have had such confidence. You never know. They might well have done. I mean, it's a it's a real old conundrum. I have to say, if we do... I mean, we'll talk about this in a minute, obviously, so maybe I'll shut up because we've kind of come to the end of that more yeah, naturally. Yeah, yeah. Right, in part three, uh, we're going to look back at last Thursday's Europa Cup tie against Dinamo Kiev, which Jonathan nicely teased there. And uh, we're going to look at the quarter-final draw against Slavia Prague. And, of course, they've already done the semi-final route. So we will get either Benfica or Eintracht Frankfurt if we beat Slavia Prague. And if we then beat them and it all works out on the other side of the draw, we could end up playing either Arsenal or Napoli. Uh, and we're also going to talk about something very important, way more important than the football in, much, in many respects. We're going to talk about the announcement that the club have frozen season ticket prices but have increased ticket prices for members and general admission. And, uh, and Jonathan, of course, is going to go for a pee. We'll see you in a second. Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow, great. Uh, But yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK, and best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you, thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy, I could cry. (laughs) Where do I sign up, Ginge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com Right, uh, welcome back. This is the uh, Chelsea Fancast, and it was going swimmingly well until I've managed to lose uh, part of my script, which serves me right for going off the deep end. But I can tell you... Uh, exactly what we were going to talk about now, because we're going to talk about uh, the uh, the Dynamo Kiev match from last week, which actually was great fun, um, if you like that kind of thing. Um, the first thing I was going to talk about, really, on this bit was, uh, was um, I mean, Oli Giroud. I mean, I know there are, I mean, this is the thing, and I should, <clears throat> I should qualify everything we say about this game saying um, they were a pub team, because they were awful, but... You still got to put away who's in front of you. But the thing that I really particularly loved, uh, Liam, was was Oli Giroud, who scored the perfect hat trick and is now the uh, the uh, top scorer in the Europa League. So how about that perfect hat trick? When was the last time we had a perfect hat trick scored by a Chelsea player? Oh, I have no idea. Um, yeah, not not entirely sure. Um, but yeah, Giroud has certainly made the Europa League his stage. You know he's he, he's been given that limited opportunity. There was a there was a funny point in the post match interview where the, the the guy from BT asked him um, why why do you think you're you're scoring more in the Europa League than the Premier League? And he basically laughed and said, "Well, I'm playing in the Europa League." Um, so, but he's 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 got his opportunity and he's he's making the absolute most of it. Uh, but I thought he he also benefited from a very good team performance. Now. Kiev are a really, really young team. Um, I'm kind of surprised that they made it to that level of the competition. Um, it probably says more about the competition than them. But they they had five or six players, 23 or younger, in, in both games. And they gave Chelsea a lot of space everywhere. But having said that, you know, there were plenty of signs in those games that they were actually not just playing well. They were playing Sarri's system well. There was fast movement of the ball from back yeah. to front. Lots of, lot, lots of sharp um, passes. You know, Loftus Cheek, I thought, was exceptional. Chelsea's best player, other than Giroud, in that game, um, and they they just ripped them apart and, and created chances for fun. And we're actually good on set pieces. In stark contrast to yeah, the I noticed game. that William was superb. I mean, every corner and free kick was an absolute diamond. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And of course, they, that never happens. Um, they beat. They'd done very well against Ajax in the in their uh, Champions League. Um, the fact they didn't qualify, but they they played very well against them. So uh, it, it's quite confusing as to why they were so poor against us. As you say, we we that's why I said you could actually just almost have put Thursday's team against Everton because they played so well. So. They seem to play more Sarri ball than I've ever seen before, actually, well, in that game. So. I, and they and they did, and there's no denying that. But I, Tony, I do wonder. You know, you know, one of the things that we've often said is that, you know, we don't think that Sarri ball works in the Premier League because it's a very, very different league, and they don't get the time and space on the ball that they need. It's a much more physical and aggressive, fast-paced game, uh, and they get closed down. And and actually, this is one thing why, why I think we might have a chance in the Europa League, and we'll get to that in a minute, but. Because European football is is they're not going to do that, so maybe it played into our hands. But they, they did play well, didn't they? We can't deny that. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and it was a joy. And actually, the best thing was we put the team to the sword. Well, that was nice to see, wasn't it? You know, um, 
the fact that you we 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 probably had the possession and the passing and all that lovely stuff, but we actually finished it off as well, and we we, we did put them to the sword. Um, but any European competition, be it Europa League or especially Champions League, they're they're not the cut and thrust of the Premier League, are they? They're far uh, more circumspect games, really. There's very rarely those kind of you know blood-soaked thrillers. Um, at European level than there is in, in, in the kind of premiership. And I think that's the, that's the problem. You, you, you pick a squad that's going to do well in both and it's notoriously difficult to do well in both. City looked like they might have cracked that. Um, I think we had chances to crack that before, certainly, um, you know, versus United that year when I think, you know, had we had a different manager, I think we could have probably gone on and, and dominated and won everything. But um, I, I think... When I look at it, there was there was joy to the game as well, and the players looked like they were enjoying themselves as well. I, I you know, I still say when we just travel back in time a few weeks to Spurs, those players looked like they were ignoring a lot of Sarri ball. They looked like they had some fight and spirit, and um, you know, they were well, you weren't scared to mix it up. And I think that's half the problem is you know with this. Um, yeah, I'll keep calling it football dressage, but this you know, pass, 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 pass. You know, you're not in players' faces. You're not getting that kind it's non-contact of, it is it's almost non-contact yeah. and i just that that's never going to work in the premier league and even no, pep guardiola no. said to adjust that but you know you it, again we call them a pub team but you see it's you know you, you can only beat what's in front of you and, and exactly. what's more remarkable is we could have gone over there um and i think we probably would have done under previous managers and just gone for a nil nil draw you know just yeah, us yeah that's true played about a bit but we didn't we went out and, and we went out to score goals um uh, and that was a, a very a uh, very nice thing to see. Yeah, exactly. Now, one of the things that I thought was very pleasing, and I actually think it links into what we were also saying <coughs> a minute ago. I mean, you know, obviously Ruben Loftus-Cheek and Callum Hudson-Odoi got the much-demanded uh, start and played the whole 90 minutes, actually, which is encouraging. But I wonder, Liam, if this is this relates to the fact that we did actually look a lot quicker, uh, a lot more threatening and a lot more direct. Uh, and I wonder if it's related to the fact that they played or if I am I just clutching at straws here? No, I think that's certainly true, uh, particularly of Loftus-Cheek. His ability to to pick up the ball in the defensive third of the pitch and just carry it beyond players, using his strength, using his speed, using his close control and skill to, to evade tackles. I mean, he's always had that. You know, the, I don't know if you've seen the clip that's been doing the rounds um, of the UEFA Youth League that Chelsea won about seven or seven or eight years ago. Uh, where he just gets the ball. It was a game at Cobham, and he just gets the ball and bursts yeah. burst from the edge of his penalty area all the way in, in, until the final third and sort of plays it out to the left wing and Chelsea score from it. I mean, Loftus-Cheek has always had that sort of breathtaking ability to turn defence into attack. And I think that's not something that um, Mateo Kovacic offers. It's not really, you know, Ross Barkley can do it. He's he, He's certainly a powerful player, but he doesn't do it as regularly as Loftus-Cheek can. And I think... You know, again, I don't think I don't think that's in his his lack of minutes has been entirely down to Sarri. I think Sarri has wanted to give Loftus Cheek more opportunities, yeah. particularly recently, uh, now that he trusts him tactically in in central midfield. But Loftus Cheek keeps having these back issues, and you know, we we spoke to him after the Kiev home game, and and he sounded sort of cautiously optimistic that he, him and the Chelsea medical staff have, have gradually. Um, got to a point where they can they can manage the issue. I don't think it's a case that it will ever really go away. 
he's got like a curve in his back and it's a it's a muscular problem arising Sciatica. from that well i'm not sure if it's if it's no it's it's, it's scoliosis it, well yeah I, I, it's I curvature of the spine i'm going up purely on what he said um uh, to us afterwards but yeah I think it's a case of it'll just have to be managed and his workload will have to be managed. Yeah, that's but a real worry. That's a real worry, Liam. Drawn from the England squad. Yeah. I, it's yeah. not been officially confirmed, but I believe that's the case. Yeah. That's a real worry going forward, isn't it? Because, I mean, if he has got scoliosis, which is a curvature of the spine, it's genetic, there's nothing you can do about it, apart from keep the back strong uh which of course he's in the perfect environment to do but you know it's it's always going to be a problem for him and i and i hope it doesn't impede his his progress because he, I, I mean you know we're not idiots he he this kid has a lot of talent you know and even even sarry's admitting this too he can reckons he I, can i say one is, of the, isn't it interesting Chidge, how can you can just wait till i've finished speaking thanks oh, you know it's well, even sarry's having his points to make but i never get an opportunity to give them but, yeah well you, if you just wait i'll bring you yeah, in but, uh, um, it's a decent point it's not interrupting you well you, i hadn't finished well, come on then i can't remember what i was going to say now oh god it's as bad as I, me i forgot i know I, I forgot what I was going to say. You can't. Don't tell me you've done that. Please, no. What were you going to say? I haven't. The point I was going to make was, isn't it interesting how when the season started and it evolved, we were dubious about the abilities of these players and how Loftus-Cheek has actually, excuse me, has become a better player as the season has gone on. And we've all embraced him in a way that we hadn't originally. And we thought that he was a bit of a charlatan because he just seemed to be playing out of position and didn't quite know what he was doing. Whereas now we're speaking to, we're speaking about him as being um, uh, a top top player, and uh, and I think that's um, that's that's an interesting evolution. Uh, the way the season, one of the positives that we can actually bring from this season has been his his ability to impose himself upon the. Uh, um, various stages, particularly in the European game at the moment. Yeah, I tell you what, Jonathan, and and we should go on record and say this. And I think one has to give some credit to Sarri here and and his coaching. You know, because it, you know it, it it must be it must have something to do with him. And actually, I think uh, with all the hyperbole that's spoken about, and I think actually really justifiable frustration that a lot of us had have that the youth players don't get a chance and we all know why it's the pressure on the manager yada 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 it all, all goes back to the board again but I think actually the reality is is that this season Sarri's probably given more game time to members of the you know the younger elements of the squad than I think any manager has for years at Chelsea I mean hudson Adoy is getting minutes regularly uh, obviously Loftus-Cheek is not starts in the Premier League I get that but they're getting on and uh, and they're getting on in a meaningful way. I mean, remember Mourinho would just like bring them on for a minute at the end, which is pointless. Uh, so, you know, Christensen, you could argue, is getting a, is getting game time too. So I think, you know, credit where credit's due, Jonathan. I think he's he's done okay there. I could do better, obviously, but he's done okay. Well, considering that um, this was a constant on, uh, particularly on social media, that um, he wasn't playing any of them and that uh, and it was a major criticism that he they were clearly the best players in the club. Um, uh, I think he's he's done excellently. I mean, the one the one area that I would 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 join issue with is uh, is not giving Ampadu an opportunity to play yeah. the other day because. Well, why um, didn't he? Why didn't he? Do you think? Um, I don't know. It was confusing. 
because particularly when they were 3-0 up, they, there shouldn't have been any reason for not playing him. I suppose he didn't want to concede. I don't know what, uh, perhaps he doesn't, I don't know what, we don't know what's going on in his mind. Um, I, think the, I, I, think, I think the issue with Ampadu is that Sarri doesn't have a position for him at yeah, the moment. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he's looked at him, he's looked at him at centre-back in pre-season, he looked at him at right-back um, early in the season and then he tried when Chelsea sold Fabregas, he played Ampadu at the base of midfield. Um, I think I can't remember which cup game it was at Stamford Bridge, and it it lasted about 50 minutes. And Ampadu didn't really look entirely comfortable. He was he was trying, but his you know it's it's a very specialised role that whether you rate Jorginho or not, he's a very particular type of player uh, doing a very particular type of job. And if you don't, if you're not mentally in tune to seeing the game that way and playing the game that way, it's quite difficult to adjust. And I think. Ampadu found it tough and he moved him out of that position and moved Kovacic in after about 50 minutes of that game. And ever since, it's been Kovacic has been the only alternative to Jorginho in that position. I think so, Ampadu has suffered a little for that. Yeah. So what you're saying, Liam, is that Ampadu's young enough really to be on the school register, but he's not really suitable to be the register. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> in, in a sense, yes. Yes. All right. You mentioned Kovacic there, mate, and I think that's a really good point because... I thought actually Kovacic, who is you know is a bit meh for a lot of Chelsea supporters, um, it, it seems to me that he's actually quite suited to uh, playing the Jorginho role, as we call it, largely because he might not have uh, Jorginho's passing range, but when Jorginho just passes it sideways, that doesn't really matter, does it? But he's certainly tougher. He's a tough little nut, isn't he? Croatians tend to be. Um, I think he might give us a bit more bite in that role while not taking an awful lot away from what Jorginho brings. What do you think? Liam? Is there anybody out there? Liam's on Jonathan, mute. Sorry, sorry, like I was accidentally... Yeah. I'll answer it. I wasn't, I wasn't expecting you to come straight back. Well, you, Liam first and you, JK, all right. Okay, yeah. Um, no, I do think Kovacic's skill set uh, is quite suited to the base of midfield, if only because it means he doesn't have to shoot as often. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, good point, he, mate. It, it, good point. it allows him to concentrate on what is... Uh, uh, on, on what he's what he's best at, which is getting the ball and moving it at speed, and he he yeah. is he is fast. He's got very good close control. He can he can evade pressure. Um, I think it's more just a positional element of, you know, he's he's never played that position before, so it still is a little bit of adjust an adjustment for him in the way that it isn't for Jorginho. But he's certainly shown signs. I still uh, I'm not entirely sure whether he's done enough to merit Chelsea going to Real Madrid this summer and paying the kind no, of price that Madrid no. demand for him. He's a nice player, but I don't yeah, necessarily luxury, think he's really. a great fit. No, the I point, agree with that. Jonathan. going to make was just, um, are we allowed to sign him? I think he has to go back, doesn't he? If the, yeah, he'll have the to go back. Ban is there. We can't sign yeah. him. And will they, will, uh, are we allowed to sign anybody on loan as well in, during this period? I don't think we are, no, are we? No. Well, it depends uh, if the if the ban is lifted or not. I, I, I'd still... If the, say the ban wasn't lifted. I don't think we are. We couldn't get him again, could we, for the rest of the next, for next season? No, no. If the ban wasn't lifted, um, unless there was an, an existing agreement in place like there is with Higuain, um, you wouldn't be able to do it and they wouldn't be able to get any register any new players <clears throat> but I'm still kind of expecting I, I still think it's more likely than not that Chelsea will be able to trade this summer right okay uh, Tony I, I I fear we've been ignoring you which is terrible is there anything you want to pick up on on, on, on all uh, of that or? Uh, only that uh, the more I see of Kovacic when he plays in that kind of Jorginho area not position not this passing 
Regista bollocks. Um, the more I think he he would be quite a good little Makalele in that kind of he's very good at breaking the game up. He's, yeah, he's good at getting in there. He's a bit of a tough, like you said, a bit of a tough bastard. And the more yeah. I see of Canty, who seems to be more and more enjoying his kind of more free, uh, free roaming role. I can't think of a better way of putting it. Really, free range Canty. Yes, free range Canty, who seems to be enjoying himself and making these forward runs that everybody, including me, didn't think he was very capable of. But um, he's getting better and better of it. Um, oh. I, I'm seeing more of a role for Kovacic in that, you know, that kind of little bastard role, as you might call it, you know, <laughs> um, uh, breaking the game up and making it ugly. But of course, that kind of goes against. Um, the current footballing principles, I guess. And I, I think Liam's right. I'm not sure what sort of money Madrid would want for him, but I'm pretty sure they're not going to, you know, give him away with a, a coffee mug, are they? So um... No, I'm afraid not. All right, OK. Well, the draw happened uh, last Friday, of course, and uh, I think we've really lucked out here. I mean, Slavia Prague are possibly the least favoured of all the teams left in it and of course happened to be in the best city of them all really Prague is a wonderful wonderful place so you know in a sense you know unless we shoot ourselves in the foot we should be good for a semi-final place I mean just to highlight that if you think I'm lying these are the relative uh, UEFA rankings at the moment Um, Slavia are ranked 72nd Chelsea are ranked 17th Villarreal 20th, Benfica 21st, Frankfurt 77th. So actually Frankfurt are ranked lower than Slavia. Arsenal are 10th, Napoli are 14th. The interesting thing is, of course, is that you know Slavia did really well uh, and surprised a lot of people by beating Sevilla. And I also heard, I was listening, there's a brilliant programme on Talk Sport on Sunday evenings, which I quite often hear on the, on the way back down uh, from London, uh, which Danny Kelly... Uh, presents, but it's called uh, was transfer something. Yeah, I can't remember now. It's a, it's an old craft uh, work song. Oh. Somebody will remind. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, it's brilliant. Really, it's about nine o'clock till till twelve. I think it's a cracking, and it's all about European football. And they have some really good people on there. One of the guys was saying that he thinks that Frankfurt have been the best team in the competition uh, so far. They're unbeaten, so they might be uh, a bit of a thorn. Now, of course, we might meet either them or Benfica. Uh, in the semi-final, and from what I understand, they're both uh, attacking teams. So if we do meet them, we're going to have to defend well. But if we do beat one of them, and uh, Arsenal beat Napoli, or Napoli beat Arsenal, and then beat either Villarreal or or Valencia, which is doable, we could end up with either Napoli or Arsenal. Now, I'm a bit worried about playing Arsenal, uh, Jonathan, because they've seemed to have the Indian sign on us recently, haven't they? Yes, I don't... um... I can't stand the crowing either. If they beat us, I can't. Um, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not convinced that we'll do terribly well against them. I mean, you never know with this lot. Can I just ask a question, Jude? How are they tenth and we're seventeenth? Is this um, because? Well, because we've we've been out. It's all it's all coefficient points. It's based on that. And of course, we've been out of the Champions League, and they they always get to the the, the round of uh, sixteen, don't they? So oh, that's I why. see. From that, let's based on that. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It'll so be. All... It'll be. But I think it's it's pointing that way for me. You never know. They they might. Um, they've got to go down the. Uh, the the other route, haven't they? So they might, they, Napoli might do them over. You never know. Yeah, Liam, do, you, do I mean, where, how do you think this might pan out? Well, the the challenges are coming, aren't they? I think yeah. the you you do eventually have to play a good team to win the Europa League. Is is the lesson? And I I haven't actually seen Eintracht Frankfurt too much, but the the reports on them are universally positive. I mean, everyone is talking about Luka Jovic. 
their their striker. Lots of reports linking him to Chelsea as well as everyone else. Um, and yeah, they're they're very very dangerous teams. So the the interesting thing I think is maybe that Sarri's style, presuming of course obviously that Sarri is still there by this point, is that. I think it's set up to exploit teams that try and press high and uh, and and expose themselves and and try to try to put Chelsea under pressure, and they've had good moments. You know, obviously they, aside from the six nil against City, the other times they've played them, they've actually given them a few problems because City have pressed high and Chelsea have managed to use that to their advantage and break break at speed up upfield. Whereas when they're facing a set opponent like a Wolves. Um, or, or like a Crystal Palace earlier in the season that, that don't really want to attack too much. That's when Sarri ball really bogs down and, and looks terrible. Um, so that that might work in their favour. But the challenges are coming, and I think if the if the trend continues of Chelsea falling behind in in either a game or a tie and just not giving any impression that they can come back, then they won't win the Europa League because there will come a point where. They, they will fall behind and they will have to react and they'll have to react in the right way. Mm. Uh, it's going to be interesting, that's for sure. Uh, obviously, the, the quarterfinals are going to be played on the 11th and the 18th of April. Semi-finals on the 2nd and 9th of May and the final on the 29th of May at the Olympic Stadium in Baku, Azerbaijan. And by the way, if you're a season ticket holder, you've got, I think, until tomorrow or Wednesday to buy your seat. So don't hang about. The club have done another number on us by... Uh, by giving us a very short... Because they only announced that at lunchtime today, so there's not be much time. I think I might go and sit with Dan, actually, because I, I, I kind of enjoyed it last time I, I, I went. Uh, but, uh, um, yeah, anyway, enough of that. I'm just wandering off there, as I do. Uh, actually, there's a nice link there, moaning about tickets and things, because, of course, you, you may have been aware of this, but last week, uh, the club... Uh, well, quite sneakily, again, they have this habit of putting bad news out when it's you know, covered up by a lot of other stuff. Liam can probably speak to us chapter and verse about that. Uh, classic old political trick, that. Um, and they also were very sneaky in the way that they announced it, that season ticket prices were frozen, which is very, very true and very, very laudable. In fact, I think they're still at the 2011 levels and they've only risen twice in the last 14 years, kind of pretty much since Roman's been around. So, uh, you know, well done to the club for that. Uh, nobody's going to beat you up about that. But then I, in, in the small print underneath... Uh, they revealed that they are going to increase uh, what, well, basically they call it general admission, but that's, you know, anybody who's not a season ticket holder and wants to buy a ticket for the game. And that's predominantly members first and very rarely for people who just, you know, want a ticket because it doesn't, they don't usually stretch that far. Uh, and in fact, what they've done is they've increased them. I'll give you the percentages really because it, it's, there's so many different prices because you've got different stands and you've got different categories of matches, but the, uh, the increases really across the board are between about 5.5% and 7%. Might not seem a lot to you, but it may, it means, for example, the cheapest tickets for the, the, the least popular matches will be 47 quid uh, to 50 quid in the Matthew Harding lower. And uh, the most expensive matches, which are the category A, A matches, so that'll be like Spurs, for example, they're going to go up from 61 quid to 65 pounds. Now, that's also in the, in the Matthew Harding lower, which is the cheapest ticket. Now, I mean, the bottom line is, is that um, I, I, this this begs a lot of... Well, there's also a £2 surcharge on the tickets as well, um, which we're still, still trying to fathom out what it is. Apparently, it's a transaction fee 
to cover booking or admin fees and I think that's also rather naughty because that whacks the price up considerably I mean if you if you buy a ticket for every game that's another 80 quid isn't it um they're also continuing the subsidised travel, which is also heartily welcomed. And, of course, they don't really have much choice in keeping to the £30 away cap because that's agreed at Premier League level. But I think the thing is, is that, it, for me, this is not good news at all because the reality is is that people who don't have season tickets but still come to watch Chelsea regularly are usually people who can't afford to spunk up 880 quid, which is what I pay, uh, in about a month's time. You know, they can't. Of cash flow that kind of money in one go so naturally if you increase the other uh tickets the what the, the general sale tickets the members tickets arguably you're hitting the less well off hardest so it's like good old vat increase this is what governments do when they want to punish the poor uh but not actually increase their income tax they whack it up on vat because of course every bugger has to spend money on food and shit so i think it's really very 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 bad of them and i'm not very happy about it and i think particularly when you factor in that you know only i think match day revenue as in ticket sales and that kind of stuff only contributes 10 percent to chelsea's total revenue and the majority of their income is coming from the, the broadcast deals and there's a whopping great big broadcast deal about to kick in there's no reason why they should do this. And I just I see it as really punitive. And I'd love to know what the thinking is behind it. Um, obviously, the Chelsea Supporters Trust put a, a statement out, which you can read on the uh, the Supporters Trust website. But uh, I'm going to go to you first, Liam, on this, because uh, you kind of across a lot of these issues, obviously. Um, what, what do you think? Well, it's not it's not great, is it? And I, I, I sympathise with what you were talking about with the, the way Chelsea released the information. In, in journalism, we call it burying the lead. Yep, exactly. <laughs> I know it well. Uh, and it's one of the it's one of the core tenets of PR. You, you bury bad news as far down as you possibly can. So, yeah, it, it's uh, it, it's not good. And I think I, I haven't sought clarification from Chelsea on why they've they've done it. I think. You know, I think generally the the answer that you get from from clubs, or well, the, if you were going to get an honest answer from them, it would be because they can. Uh, it's the it's the principles of capitalism. You can charge as much as you want to get away with, um, and they they've realised they can they can charge a little bit more for match tickets, and it boosts a little bit of match day income, particularly when they can't expand the stadium and the stadium redevelopment has been put on indefinite hold. Uh, mm. But it's at least good that the season ticket hold uh, season ticket prices have remained the same again. But it's a shame that not everyone can share uh, those, those those benefits. Well, it's it's also divisive what they're doing, of course. Mm. Um, and I have to say to you, I, I don't think that they're doing it out of any magnanimity. I think they understand that they would have had a riot on their hands if yeah. they'd have increased the seat. I mean, put it this way. I was hearing rumours about a month ago that we were talking about a significant increase in the price of season tickets. And by significant, you're usually talking about 10 to 20%. And if they'd have done that, I would have said, fuck that. I can't afford it, you know. So I would have I would have bailed out, and and I know a lot of other people who felt the same, particularly because of what's going on with this season and the and the and the uh, collective kind of disconnect with the club that so many people are feeling. And there's something else I think that's afoot here too, and that is, um, 
you know, we've got an ageing demographic, uh, the highest or the oldest uh, age of season ticket holders of any Premier League club. And they're beginning to get to that age now where they're thinking, well, I've had a good innings. Maybe it's time I put my feet up and put my slippers on. I think there are quite a few people thinking like that. But they pretty much represent, on the whole, the hardcore support, the people that started supporting the club in 70 when we won the FA Cup. And of course, Chelsea have systematically priced out at least two generations of younger fans in the process. So they are not able to get tickets. They are not able to afford tickets and they've now lost interest. So when the old gits bugger off or the yadars, as they like to say on Twitter, who's going to replace them? Well, I wonder and I worry. And I think that whacking the prices up on these kind of people more is is just so short-sighted and it's cutting the cutting your nose to spite your face. And I think I, I have a suspicion that the, the, the thinking behind it is, well, we don't care if they don't come anyway because we know who will pay. The tourists who come Absolutely. to one game a year, the tourists who come to one yep. game a year won't mind spunking up 60 quid yep. to go and watch football because they have to do it once. But if And there are people we know. I mean, the other thing is you can't get... I mean, it's, it's impossible at the moment, or I suspect this season it won't be, but to get a season ticket, if you don't have one... Uh, you have to. You're in a waiting list, and then you get one if, only if they become available, and then only if you have enough loyalty points to do it. And to get the loyalty points as a member, you have to go to a ridiculous amount of games. So, in other words, where I pay 180 quid for a season ticket, you could be paying 10% more than that in a season if you bought every ticket, maybe more. And you know, as I said, I think you're hitting the the, the least well-off people in a sense, and I think it's outrageous. As I said, the trust are gonna take this up with the club. In fact, I think they already have done so. people like Cliff and so forth talking to them, but I'll keep you posted. Uh, Tony, you, you, you share my sentiments oh, by the sound of it. Absolutely. Um, I've always adopted the view that <clears throat> I've st- st- the stadium, in my view, is on permanent hold. I don't think it'll ever get built now. Um, uh, so they're going to, you know, um, maximise, sweat the asset as much as they can. Um, and it makes sense. You, you I, I maintain the fact that as season ticket holders um, die off or give up, uh, there'll be less of them going back into the pool. They can sell more and more of these tickets. It's it's a very different place to what it was 20 years ago. Football in general, but London football as well. Um, you know, other other clubs have got new grounds. Um, it's a big selling point, and football tourism is a you know, uh, uh, potentially the future of, of football. The days when, um, you know, uh, sort of red-faced, ruddy-faced urchins turned up on the day and bought the ticket there and then, you know, have long gone. And I just think you, any any club, and I think they'll all be doing it, they'll syndicate the ticket sales out weeks beforehand. They'll sell them through theatre box offices, the places in London where you can buy tickets for Mamma Mia. Uh, you'll be able to buy a Chelsea ticket if you're there and they've got them available. And you can, you'll can you pay 60, 70, 80 quid because you're a tourist, you don't care, it's a one-off. Um, uh, and I'm convinced that's the way that football's going. I yeah, absolutely no, no. am. And it'll be the death of it. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of basically on life support at the moment, I think. And I just think it's like the Emperor's Clothes argument. Nobody's seeing this stuff. I mean, Ryan Goodliffe makes a great point on... Uh, on uh, Mixler, he says, when I turned 16, I had to pay adult prices for my season ticket and it never changed. And he's, well, it has changed a bit actually, Ryan, because the trust has worked very hard to increase 
the cutoff point and our aim is to get it up to something like 22 23 and i think i can't remember where the club are exactly now maybe 18 19 20 i'm not sure but there is will amongst the premier league we we talk about i'm going to a premier league structured dialogue meeting for the trust on thursday and this is the kind of thing we hit them with and there is they are open to this and open to try and get some uh kind of agreement across the board for the clubs to have stat standard kind of youth ticket ages and prices because they all differ at the moment anyway look if you if you're if you're as pissed off about this as i am there's something you can do it might not change but hey there's no harm in in trying but uh the chelsea supporters trust have got their annual survey out at the moment just go to the trust's twitter page or facebook page or the website you'll see it on there and anybody can enter this uh we we send it out to the members first give them about a week and then any then it's open to anybody who's a chelsea supporter so if you want to have a uh, have your say you know you can obviously we talk about ticket prices in the survey and yes i know it's kind of multiple choice but there are also a lot of kind of opportunities for you to write stuff in there about how you feel about this so i urge you if you care about this uh, and if you want to register how annoyed and disgusted you are by it then get on to the chelsea supporters trust annual survey and fill it in uh, you've got about a month to finish the thing i think it finishes on april the 22nd but do it now don't wait to the last minute because you'll forget that's the kind of dumbass thing i would do uh, and talking of the trust unless jonathan has anything to add on that um the um uh, hospitality's gone up uh, yeah i thought you lot were getting fleeced yeah, yeah. have been and i've um i filled in two surveys i got sent two so i filled them in I got one saying you haven't appeared to have done the survey, which I thought was rather personal. I know it's a, it's a nice. reminder. It's a reminder. Uh, but you basically, send it out to everybody. Just remind them. I and if you filled it, it in, you, so you, I, you I did, I did yeah. it again. Well, I, I oh well, well done. <laughs> I didn't know you could do that. Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, I got the same thing was attached, so uh, I answered slightly differently because I had more thoughts about it actually. So I hope they mm. pay attention to the second one. Uh, All right. Yeah. Good. Okay. Well done, mate. Right. Just a quick reminder, of course, uh, if you want to join the trust, which would be a great idea. Uh, you can get your voice heard by the club. We, we meet with them every year. It's free to join up to be a member. But if you want to have uh, a badge uh, and be able to vote and uh, in the elections and attend the meetings, then you pay five quid a year. And you can go to chelseasupporterstrust.com and go and sign up. And uh, you can obviously follow them on Twitter at Chelsea S Trust. Uh, and a couple of quick plugs while we're here. Uh, you may have seen me tweet out earlier on on the Chelsea Fancast Twitter uh, feed uh, 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 an information about the Kenny Rice event, uh, which is going to be this Saturday uh, at the Star and Garter in Putney. Uh, on, uh, I think it's, I'm not sure what time it is actually, but anyway, uh, Tom and Kenny are fundraising for their two favourite charities, which are Leukemia UK and uh, Children with Cancer. And uh, Kenny is running in the marathon. They're both running in the mar- marathon actually to try and raise money for that. A family member, a young family member, died, I think, and. Uh, very close to their hearts lots of things going on um there'll be a raffle hosted by the lovely julie osborne and becca matthews and we have donated and this is what you may have seen on twitter but we've donated uh the last remaining signed uh, replica kerry dixon banner the banner that's up at the matthew harding end we've got some uh, little mini ones made up and i've got kerry to sign one and uh, we've got put that in the raffle so that's worth winning but there are other stuff too some signed shirts that kind of thing some lovely stuff so there'll be a raffle for that walter otten will be the mc the famous walter otten and tape mix tim has done a banging playlist said it's going to be a great night all the usual chelsea faces will be there such as dave mr cfc uk mark worrell and many more besides and i will be there early but i've already got a a, a dinner uh, somebody's birthday i've got to go to so i won't be there for long so I might not see you, but do go along. It'll be a cracking night. It's always great fun with the Chelsea mob. They're a 
good bunch of people. And talking of good people, Mickey Thomas, of course, as you may know, uh, was diagnosed with cancer recently. Um, Mickey was a great little player for us in the 80s. Massive cult hero, big friend of this show, and a lovely, lovely bloke. Uh, and he's now having treatment, so he's having chemo and then an operation. Uh, and of course, you know, like a lot of players in the 80s, uh, he's not exactly loaded, and he won't be able to work for quite a while because he's quite ill. Uh, so somebody set up very kindly set up a GoFundMe campaign, uh, which is uh, well, basically just go to GoFundMe.com and type in Mickey T fight cancer, and you'll get there. But you know, if you can spare a few quid, just donate some to Mickey because he more than deserves it. He's a lovely bloke. Right, uh, we're gonna probably do the fastest reading of emails ever because i'm very aware that we are way over budget on time and i don't want to keep these lovely gentlemen longer than i have to see you in a sec real fans real opinions i'm jason cundy and you're listening to the chelsea football fancast up the chelsea football fancast Right, welcome back. Uh, I'm Stanford Chidge. You're listening to the Chelsea Fancast with the wonderful Jonathan Kidd, Tony Glover and Liam Toomey from ESPN. And I'm going to not piss around anymore. I'm going to get straight to the emails. And this, I think, is the email of the week, Jonathan. From Tom Robson. Hey, Chidge and the gang, let me start by saying how much I enjoy the podcast. You've been pulling me through the weeks of late and owe you guys a beer. Ooh. I just wanted to play devil's advocate, give a more positive outlook on our impending transfer ban and argue the opinion of not battling FIFA through a lengthy and possibly needless appeals process. As strange as this concept may seem, in raising the white flag early, Chelsea are actually in a very good position to ride the next two transfer windows out. If we look back on some highlights from last year's summer transfer window, the only outfield purchase we made was Jorginho. We then reintroduced Ruben Loftus-Cheek after a successful loan period at Palace and promoted a rising talent in Callum Hudson-Odoi from our academy. Looking forward now, if we were to uh, to be banned immediately, well, again, we still have one incoming purchase in Pulisic. We could also have another successful loanee returning from the Palace club again in Batshuayi. And in the words of Thierry Henry, he's the best finisher in the Belgium squad. And boy, don't we need one of those right now. In addition, who knows what impact a returning Tammy may have, have, having spent a year with JT. Then we have the progress of young Ethan Ampadu to pick up next year's Play the Youth Mantle. There are obviously many other lonely starlets, but I mentioned the above to clarify the closest comparison to this season following on next season. If this were the case, I believe the summer would pass by with minimal fuss. I think we could then move some of our young Derby County talent into tougher Premier League placements with the hope they mature in time for the January window. And as Spurs self-imposed two transfer window banners taught us, we really shouldn't need to buy anyone in January. Obviously, the, the above would only look to stabilise the club for next season and would be at the expense of any real progress towards challenging the top two. But I feel this would be a far safer approach than, say, spending five 500 million this summer on an unproven new idea that Marina dreamt up one night over a glass of red with Rom on his yacht and one that goes tits up by October, resulting in the situation where we find ourselves unable to course correct, leading into the following two banned transfer windows. Hopefully the ban's upheld. We'll call ourselves the band brothers. And whilst in the (laughs) trenches of a ban, the fans rally behind the team and we get some new songs out of it. That'll help the atmosphere. After all, pressure creates diamonds. Very good. Up the Chelsea and keep the cleep. I think keep, keep the blue flag, keep the blue flag flying high. Tom, sorry. 
Um, and you can see why I think that's the email of the week. I mean, just very quickly. I mean, that's interestingly, Tom, that that picks up on the uh, ending of the article I wrote for Football London last week, which which I talked to you about earlier, you know, where, I mean, in a sense, I think that the only way that we can genuinely reset and, uh, you know, not uh, load uh, pressure on managers to win stuff and kind of break this cycle is the transfer ban. You know, that may be the only way. And maybe if we get a manager in, if we don't keep Sarri, if we get a manager in who genuinely is good at developing the youth and using the resources that he's got, then maybe that's the way forward. Anybody want to add to that, Liam? Um, no, sorry, it's Tony. Um, well, it's <laughs> a very good impression, to be uh, fair, Tony. I've, well, I've said, I've, I have said that I think there's a potential to hit a big reset button. I don't know why we're so worried about a two-window two transfer ban. I mean, it does give... If if the club needs breathing space in which to kind of restructure its higher hierarchy at the top level, do some do some new stuff, which is just as needed as new stuff elsewhere, new new uh, ethos or whatever. Um, and, and we've, I know, 50 players out on loan. You'd like to think that some of them could come back and... And perhaps help out or whatever. Um, I'm, I'm 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 uncomfortable with the yet again another semi misogynistic remark. You know that this is better than spending 500 on an unproven new idea that Marina dreamt that one night over a glass of red with Rom on his yacht. It just seems yet again um, that she's a woman. She can't know anything, can she? Um, she's got massive influence. She's like some sort of bloody high influencing, like she's got a hypnotic hold over a Roman. I'm just sensing this more and more, and I'm getting a bit fed up with it. Um, mm. it it's, 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 at worst, it's misogynist. At, at best, it's sexist. So I don't agree with that. All right, Liam, very quickly. <laughs> well, I think, um, what, in terms of Marina's influence? No, as in, you know, whether a transfer ban might be the only way we can have a proper reset, give managers time, not overload them with pressure, and bring in the youth. Yeah, it's certainly a compelling. It, it's certainly a compelling theory. I mean, there were lots of jokes at the time, weren't they, that it wasn't really a transfer ban; it was an intervention. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> given, Brilliant. Given Chelsea's recent record in the transfer market, uh, and it, it, you know, it, it could work out that way, um, but it. It comes back to the issue of whether you think Sarri is that guy, and uh, the fact that the the players that he is relying on this season are increasingly, you know, I know he's been giving minutes in the cups to Hudson Odoi, Loftus Cheek, and the like, but the players that his core are really 28 or older, and a lot of them are either out of contract this summer or next summer, and a lot of them have uncertain futures at the club. So you have to resolve all of that, and then you have to decide whether Sarri is the guy that you think can take it all forward. Mm, Indeed. That's a good question, one which we will answer in another episode. Yes, Jonathan? One thing was, who were the youth that failed to get into the side when we were winning things and we didn't ever mention? De Bruyne would be my first choice. You know, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't anybody from the club, though. He didn't come... They were somebody we'd purchased. No, no. But, you know, they're all kind of young, aren't they, at the yeah, end no, of the I'm day? Yeah, no, I'm thinking in terms of... of, of uh, it, one of the reasons we're so fixated on the youth, I know we've done so well in the past, is because the team isn't performing. And I think if the team was performing, I'm afraid I don't think any of them would get an no, I, I, opportunity I, I, I think to get in a, the first team. Hugely valid point, mate. Hugely valid point. I mean, we'll, let's not go there now because that one is such a topic. I think maybe we'll do it next week because, you know, it's international break. So there'll be bugger all to talk about. So, you know, if you can remind me, 
because you know I've got a memory like a goldfish. Okay. But I think that maybe we'll really do that to death next week. I'll see if I can get somebody who actually knows what they're talking about, about the youth. I've written it down oh, here. Youth and straight jacket. Yeah, there you go. straight You're... jacket, haven't we? You have. You'll make a great PA, Jonathan. I'd love That's to be sure. your PA, too. You can be my PA anytime you like. Right, you like let's, let's move. now, sir? Yes, I'd love a Guinness, mate. God, I'd kill for one. Anyway, let's get on because we're, we're, we're way over budget. Right. Kendall Douglas. Good old Kendall. He says, hey, guys. Uh, oh, dear. I should have given you this to read, Jonathan, but never mind. Do you want to read it? Yeah, you read the next one. You, go on. You read go on then. Yeah, all right. Okay. okay. Um, all right. Hey, guys. Short one this week for JK. Now that the final whistle has blown, I'm terribly frustrated. The only thought that kept going through my head during the second half of that match was... What the fuck happened to this team? I imagine that's how a lot of supporters felt. In a winnable game, why did we come out so slowly in the second half? I don't think anyone has the answer. Poor passing, slow movement and useless runs was no fun to watch. And getting beaten by a mediocre team was like getting food poisoning. I can't help but think how <laughs> different this would have ended if Hazard's shot would have gone in instead of hit the post. Hopefully we can put together a streak of wins after the break and other six top teams will drop some points. At least we still have a shot at the Europa League. Thanks for always putting out the best podcast in the world. Win or lose, up the blues, Kendall. Thanks so much. What a lovely, lovely sentiment. That yeah. is. And uh, thank, thank you for listening, Kendall, and always contributing like you do. I think we've kind of answered that in the main body of the show, so yeah. let's move on. Yeah. Right, now, this, this, Jonathan knows about this too, because I, I actually, weirdly, independently found this on Twitter and thought, well, this is a very interesting read. And then Jonathan did the same completely independently. Um, but at the time, I, I actually answered the lad and said, I actually know Russ Saunders highlighted it to me and said we should put it on the show. And I tweeted back and the guy was flattered, which is lovely. Anyway, it's from a guy called Ms. Rahman, who uh, is on Twitter at Ms. M-I-Z, M-I-Z-9-Rahman, R-A-H-M-A-N. And he st- styles himself as Chelsea fanatic and he's from Australia and New South Wales. Anyway, he says, lately... I've seen a lot of confused fans who simply don't understand what Sarri is doing. Hopefully, this thread will reduce some confusion. It will cover, one, Sarri's philosophy, two, key positions, three, the transfer ban, and four, is he the right guy? So he kind of answers the question that we were posing a minute ago. Um, When Chelsea hired Sarri, the club made a statement. Uh, The club wanted to move away from defensive counter-attacking football to possession-based attacking football. Nothing wrong with this defensive counter-attacking football, as it, as it is in its own and art, as we know. Furthermore, it's one of several titles. However, our supply simply, well, sorry, our club simply wanted to shift the style. Whether we like it or not, we must accept it. So to the first point, Sarri's philosophy. In brief, it's fast-paced, possession-based attacking football with vertical passing. It's built upon short and quick passes to move the ball up the field as quickly as possible. Off-the-ball movement is crucial. Uh, for full details, please check out at Tifo Football underscore video on Sarri Ball. Now, to point number two, key positions, the reducer role. This is not a defensive role. The role links up the build-up play with defensive midfielders and forwards through quick short passes. The idea is to move the opposition around to open spaces up. The right and left central midfielders require, are required to be box-to-box, finding the half spaces up front and covering the half spaces in defence. Wingers and fullbacks. When wingers tuck in, then fullbacks overlap. When wingers go on the outside, then midfielders and the striker look for the cutback or the ball being squared. Centre backs have to be ball playing centre backs. Now, do we have the right players to do this? The short answer is 
No. Uh, our centre-backs, Louise and Rudiger, went together, are error-prone. Our full-backs are not top-class quality. Our midfielders are not good enough to make clever movements. Sure, Kante is a machine and has done well, but even he gets lost at times with this philosophy. Loftus-Cheek has injury issues. Kovacic and Barkley are simply not good enough. They do a job, but that's about it. Our wingers love to hold the ball a lot, which goes against the philosophy at its core. Furthermore, they consistently love to cut back, which cramps our play as our off-the-ball movement is poor, which now leads me to point three. Transfer ban. With the transfer ban in place and not sure if the freeze will be uplifted for the forthcoming window, it truly puts us in a tight position in terms of finding the right personnel to get the best out of Sarri's style. Uh, there are some exciting youngsters awaiting, but it's a tall task to ask these kids to pick up such an intricate style of play. Furthermore, it's an initiative that needs to be driven by our board. I can't recall any of our past successful managers pioneering a youth progression. So, to my final point, is Sarri the right guy? Well, I want to start exploring this matter by first understanding what our board's expectation was with Sarri. Did they expect this to just come to fruition in the first season? Barca did not become Barca overnight. It's in their DNA now. Years and years of playing this style has allowed them to perfect it. They are now guaranteed to win at least one trophy every year. Did our board promise to give Sarri a bankroll? Pep had a good team at City in his first season. However, even he needed a vast amount of money to buy the right players to suit his style. If he was not backed, then he would not have come to City. Jorginho, Higuain and Kepa will not solve our issue. Did the board have an expectation on the youth players? If no, then why so much hate from our fans? Our board has cons- cons- our board has constantly used our youth players as money making me- as a money making mechanism. If yes, then I highly doubt Sarri would go out of the club's vision and purposely not start the youth players. In my opinion, the club has made a decision to play a different style of football. If you sack him now, there aren't too many top managers available who can play this style. Going back to defensive counter counter attacking style would look silly on the club. As the question will rise, why was Conte or Mourinho sacked then? Chelsea understood Sarri's philosophy and uh, and to back this man now to get us to the top four and win the Europa instead of... Uh, right, so I'm going to read this again because it's slightly clumsily uh, read by me. Uh, the question will obviously arise, why were Conte and Mourinho sacked then? Uh, well, Chelsea kind of understands Sarri's philosophy and they've backed him now to get us top four and, and win the Europa League instead of asking for the sack. There's no contingency plan at the moment. And I think Miz's point is is that it doesn't matter what we think of Sarri, whether it's right or wrong. As it goes back to the point I was making. Unless you address the issues and the attitude and the board, we just keep making mistakes and this kind of thing is going to go on. So, you know, he could well stay because they're just stubborn about it. Uh, anyway, just a quick uh, kind of um, point that Russ Saunders made. He says, I only saw that, that Twitter thread as JK had liked it. If you do read it tomorrow, you should mention to the bloke that there's a supporters club in Sydney he should get involved with if he isn't already. So, Miz, if you're listening to this, go and uh, join the Chelsea Sydney supporters group because they're a good bunch of lads and you will enjoy that. Um, I think we've kind of talked around a lot of those issues already. So if you forgive me, lads, I'm going to move on. And Jonathan, can you do the last one? Vinod Ayer. It's Ayer, isn't it? Yeah, as in Dyer. Hello, Vin. Yes, Hello, Vin. I'd love to hear from you again. Um, while there were lots of thoughts brewing in my head after the Everton defeat, I could not quite find time to write them down. Yes, I understand that. Anyway, I thought I'd take the opportunity to thank you all for the fantastic job you're doing. Best regards, Vinod. How lovely. Thank you. It's lovely to be appreciated. We all we're all very grateful. Thank you so much. Terrific. In, indeed. indeed, we. 
Indeed we are. And uh, Vinod was in uh, Mixler tonight as Siege Mentality, and many of you have been talking to him. I don't know if he's still in here. but Oh, uh, I didn't realise he... that was him, yeah. I don't know, I wonder, yeah, because yeah. I, I agreed with almost everything he said. Um, yeah. and picked him out on Twitter last week. He said, are you the same guy that wrote the email in? Yeah. And he, he, yeah. he basically said yes. And, um, yeah, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm firmly in his camp. Yeah, he's a good lad. All right, can I, OK. Can I just thanks. say one last thing? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, um, sure. Uh, I foolishly said that Chelsea had beaten Crew Alexander 13-2 um, in about 1961 or something. And Jonathan Perez, who I saw the other day, uh, corrected me and said it was Man United who'd done that. So somewhere oh. in my pixelated youth, I, I, I put red on blue. I don't know why. Blue on red. Oh. I don't know why I did that. So it, I, Chelsea have never beaten Crew Alexander 13-2, for which I apologise. Mm. Okay, all right. Okay, right now we're on the home straight and I'm going to whiz through these very, very quickly. Uh, The usual shout out for Patreon. Uh, If you do like what we do, uh, you can become a Chelsea Fancast Patron and you can help us cover the cost of running two, sometimes three shows a week and uh, a healthy drinking habit. No, that's just a joke. And and continue to produce what we believe is unique and uh, very good on all things Chelsea, even though we do say it ourselves. But please feel free to donate whatever you want per show or per month at www.patreon.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. I mean, basically, you know, whatever you want. I, there's no pressure. You don't even have to. I, I mean, I, I wouldn't hold you to ransom on that, but it's great if you can. I mean, what I would say is if you do, it's a nice little community, which I'm looking to develop a bit further. Uh, it's a good way to get hold of me because I have an app, so I get it on my phone. So if you want to message me or if you want to get something on the show, like an email or whatever, it's a good way to do that, like Russ patreon messaged me uh about uh, um mrs uh, email so you know it's a good way to do that we're also thinking of uh trying to develop some sort of a a, a match day group so that you know the likes of me well me really because i'm the one with the app but uh, i can be in touch with you on match days dean bless his heart dean Mears tried that this weekend but of course uh I, dean mate when i'm doing a three hour four hour radio show and trying to marshal two people that make uh, this lot look like saints, uh, I have no time to be looking at my phone, trust me. So there was no way I could do it while I'm doing that. I think it'll be much better if it's like I'm at the match because that has a bit of an added thing going on. Anyway, watch this space. I'll keep you all posted. We do tend to release exclusive news and stuff on the on the Patreon group as well. Right, CPO, if you want to own a little bit of Chelsea and protect the future of the club, go and buy a share in the Chelsea pitch owners who own the freehold of Stamford Bridge and whose aim it is to ensure that Chelsea Football Club will remain playing football at Stamford Bridge. To find out how to buy a share, email info at chelseapitchowners.com or check out chelseafc.com forward slash fans forward slash Chelsea have pitch hyphen owners or follow them on Twitter at pitch owners. And uh, finally, CFC UK, the, uh, the latest one is out. I wrote an absolute spanking one called Identity, even if I do say it myself. Um, uh, something about Chelsea are like the perennial party poopers they turn up at your party uninvited drink all the booze puke up in the corner and then steal all the silverware and oh we love them for it so there you go the rest is also quite good but I'm getting a bit fat headed so I'll shut up but anyway CFC UK uh, the stall uh, is opposite Fulham Broadway you can get get it on a match day there or from any of the sellers that are in Fulham Road and of course you can subscribe uh, uh, digitally at, on, at uh, cfcuk.net and if you're in the States you can also get hard and online copies at cfcuk on twitter twitter uh, is the place to go and dan lundberg on twitter at d lundberg underscore right that i'm afraid people is a bit of a mammoth and epic show even if i do say so myself but that is all we have got time for tonight we'll be back next monday the 25th of march and we'll be probably 
having a bit of a review of a oh goodness me easy for me to say <laughs> we'll be having a bit of a review went a bit all went a bit rupert there we'll be having a bit of a review of the season in lieu of the international break and we will be talking about the youth because jonathan's got his uh, topic lined up and uh, quite possibly some other interesting features by way of a change i'll have a think about what we might do for next week because there'll be sod all football to talk about um and interestingly oh my goodness me uh jonathan our prayers have been answered you know who's on next week uh, Joe Tweeds. Yeah, yes. we can we can we can we can lump all the youth knowledge to him, can't yes, we? Yes, we don't have to do anything, Chidge. We can Brilliant. sit back and let him get on with it. Yeah, perfect. Brilliant. That's perfect, isn't it? So basically, yeah, Jonathan and me, as ever, uh, Joe Tweeds, and of course the lovely Clayton Beerman. So that'll be a cracker. Now, uh, don't forget to tune into the Chelsea Fancast on Love Sport Radio between seven and nine p.m. this Friday, where we plan to have a very special show as our special guest. Uh, will be the Chelsea legend that is Kerry Dixon. Now, the, woo! Now the plan is that Kerry will join me and Jonathan and Johnny Burrow, and we'll talk to Kerry about his time at Chelsea, his thoughts on Chelsea currently, and of course, as someone who has loved the club for as long as we have. Uh, and all of this is going to be happening, of course, while the England versus Czech game is on, and it'll be on in the studio. So that should be a bit of a fun and game, as we'll have a match like that on. So there we go. So do not miss it. Now, of course, it's an ideal opportunity for you lot out there to phone in, speak to Kerry, ask him about his Chelsea career and what he thinks of Chelsea this season. Anything you like, really. Uh, just so phone in, join in the show and uh, the debate with us live. The number to call is 0208 70 20 558. And of course, you can hear Love Sport, uh, which is a London radio station and it's broadcast at 558 AM, uh, the digital radio stations. And of course, you can listen through Radio Player TuneIn or Love Sport Radio. And we shove it up as a podcast shortly afterwards. And it's on all of our usual platforms, ChelseaFanCast.com, Acast, Apple, SoundCloud, Spotify and other inferior podcast distributors. Right. Quick Twitter shout out for everybody. Uh, you can follow Chelsea Fancast at Chelsea Fancast. Me at Stanford Cheers. Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd. Tony at Grosser Jack UK and Liam at Liam underscore Toomey. And of course, check out the website ChelseaFancast.com where you will find lots of lovely content going up uh, during the week. And you can follow the writers at CFCGWLB. That would be Alex Churchill, Nick Stroudley, at Clitheroe Blue, at Dean Mears, at CFC Nicholas, at Tosser of Coin, at TomGot95, at John Topia, that's J-O-N-T-O-P-E-A, and follow the regular Chelsea fancasters without whom I would be royally stuffed. So other than uh, Tony and Liam and Jonathan tonight, Alex, of course, at CFCGWLB, at Gate17, Mark, that's Mark Worrell, Dan Silves at DanSilves73, Clayton at Goalie59, Joe Tweeds at Joe Tweedy, and of course, uh, Ollie Harbord from Football.London at OJ Harbord. Goodness gracious me, I think I, go, I need to go down uh, for a very long lie down, quite possibly some brain surgery. Uh, Tony, lovely to have you it's on the show fabulous, as mate. ever. Sorry, sorry it's been a bit Andrex tonight, mate. No, listen, it's been it's been great fun. And, and um, you know, how dull would it be if we all had the same opinions and we're all just sat there nodding in agreement with each other? It's nice to get them, uh, you know, because we've all, I think we all want the same thing. We've all got slightly different approaches and different views on it, and that's all. Fabulous time. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And the sooner I have a pint with you, Indeed. the world will be a better place, mate. It's been way too long. Yeah. We need to sort that out. We do, mate. You know, I, I feel a bit of an off-season Chelsea fan cast gathering in a pub somewhere, I actually, do. as well. I, yeah, I'll, I'm going to think there, on mate. that. I'll be there. Yeah, I'll, I'll think on that one. Uh, Liam, as always, it's an absolute pleasure, privilege, and an honour having you on the fan cast on a Monday. I'm very sorry it's taken so long tonight, but clearly we all had a lot to say. 
Well, and Sari's in a job as well, still. So I, I haven't missed anything with us running over. No. Um, and the, always and the, a pleasure yeah. to talk Chelsea with you guys. Yeah, lovely. The feelings mutual. And I, I mean, there was no truth in the rumour that I've kept the show going so long in the hope that maybe we would have got that news. It's not true at all. Uh, Liam, I, I, we, I believe we've got you rostered for next Friday, but we might not have anything to talk about. So I'll have to tell, call you in the week and have a think about that. Okay. You know, if we've got Kerry on, you might, I might, I might say, Liam, have the night off. You deserve one, mate. But we'll see. I'll give you a shout in the week. Liam, as always, great well to have done, you on the show. As always, say. Liam, well done. Brilliant. Thanks, yeah, isn't it just? Uh, Jonathan, you absolute trooper. Well done tonight. Very, very long. I think you, like me, deserve to have a long lie down because we're both old. Sorry it disappeared. Uh, but... I had a family problem in the middle there. So. Oh, no, that's all right. No, we carried on anyway. I kind of decided... I thought something was amiss, so I I knew you'd come back, and you did. Um, Right, I will see you Friday, mate, as ever. Looking forward to that. Fingers crossed that we get carry on. You know what it's like with carry. You never know. I know. Good stuff. uh, I look forward to it if he's there. Good, Excellent. If not... You know what I'm going to... If it would be you and me, that'll be fun, so... Yeah, you know, and I'm going to do two different running orders, you know, just in case, because I'm, I'm organised like that. Uh, brilliant stuff. Now, carry on Friday on Love Sport. Don't miss it. And, of course, you've got until 7 o'clock this Friday, the 24th, to go and vote Chelsea Fancast as best podcast in the Football Blogging Awards. Go to Twitter and find out how to do it. It's easy. and Do it, because we love you if you do. And I will follow back anybody from the Chelsea Fancast account who votes for us on Twitter. Right. Have a great week. We will be back on Friday, then Monday. Thank you for listening. See you next time. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chills. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.